Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, game day on WST. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Jets looking to uh, get back in the win column. Well, and actually score a goal tonight coming out of the break after being shut up by the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday. They are in Philadelphia tonight. We will be uh, talking lots of Jets today as we uh, get ready for uh, the game this evening. Murata Tesh from The Athletic coming up a little later on. And an absolutely great segment coming up with Craig Button that I know you're going to enjoy. It is Thursday. We'll also hook up with our friends at Sport Manitoba with another It Takes a Community to Play segment a little bit later on. Brought to you in part by Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. Um, we got to get to the Brandon Dillon suspension, which we will do as well. And uh, hit the cool bet lines a little bit later on. Just finished up a fun lock shop. Dusty and the fellas at Edmonton Sports Talk spending the last three days in Vegas. For Super Bowl week and, of course, that Oilers-Knights game earlier this week. Check that out. And tomorrow's lock shop at noon is going to be the big one with all of our favorite prop bets and everything Super Bowl-related for the big game on Sunday. Just before we bring in Michael Remus and get going, a big thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen every day. Our friends at CoolBet, of course, Princess Auto. The Winnipeg Jets and Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Sport Manitoba, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Canadian Club Whiskey, Manitoba Battery, and Modern Man Barbershops. And we will get to a why not question of the day a little bit later on as we get into our Jets content. Let's get the show on the road. Shout out to everyone joining us in chat right off the top. Michael Remus, what's going on? How are you? I'm feeling good. Another uh, Jets hockey game. Tonight, yes, hopefully we can see a goal and also Super Bowl week. So it's feeling a little festive, Hustler. I'm in a, yeah, in a I, good mood. And I don't know, there's weather too. Like looking outside, there's no snow on the ground. What's going on here? But I mean, I'm feeling good. It, 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 you know, I just looked out onto the river um, and it's like pooling out there. I guess there's no, like, is the river trail still functioning right now? I know they opened no. it up and then it got wet and warm i don't think there's any chance it's going to be extending uh where it normally does out by my spot um i guess there is this colorado low coming as well i don't know how much we're going to get it in the city and it is going to get a little bit cooler which i know some people will be happy about i mean honestly selfishly i've been loving the fact that it's been so warm but it does look like we'll get to more seasonal temperatures beginning tomorrow with a high of minus eight uh, but yeah, today it's just periods of drizzle, if you can believe that. One degree above Celsius and then sort of, you know, negative temperatures, but, you know, more closer to minus 10 than zero for the next week or so. But um, let's get right to it. I mean, the big news last night, we were waiting for it. We thought it might break during the show. They waited till into the early evening to drop it. 
Brendan Dillon gets suspended for three games. And again, I'm sure you're locked and loaded to talk about this as well, Remus. I'm I'm surprised. I thought that was a little excessive considering what the uh, the hit was. I realize it was contact with the head. It looked bad with the guy's helmet flying up in the air and him having to leave the game for a little while. But as we've gone through this play over and over again, I'm really not too sure what Brendan Dillon could have done to avoid it. And listen, if that's if you're given three games for hits like that all year long, I think people can handle it. But, you know, as we're going to talk to Craig Button about a little bit later on, there have been so many other plays that have, never mind not suspended, have gone unpenalized in games that I think would be, you know, on the level of the Dylan hit last night. So, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that player safety has it out for Winnipeg or they use a team like Winnipeg to make their make their examples. I know there's still a lot of people that feel about that that way about the Shifley hit in the playoffs against Jake Evans a few years back. Um, but I'll tell you what, I was thinking it would probably more likely be one than two. So count me in the surprise category that Brendan Dillon's out for three games. Yeah, I was definitely surprised it was three. He already got basically one from the match penalty, so that makes it a four-game suspension. And Mike McIntyre tweeting out, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you have to be confused. Because I would say that was a hockey play. And, oh, Kyle Connor got injured on a knee-on-knee hockey play earlier this year, and there was a five-minute penalty to Strom on Anaheim. But there was no supplemented discipline there, and Connor was out for a number of weeks. Uh, Cole Perfetti was the recipient of an intentional slash to the face by Ryan Hartman. Thankfully, because Hartman is just so accurate at slashing guys in the face, it could have been Great much slash. could have been much worse. And thankfully, he didn't have an injury, but Hartman just got a fine. So what I've learned here, Hustler, is if Brendan Dillon wanted to avoid a suspension, should have stuck his knee out on Achari or just wound up and slash him in the face, and he would have avoided suspension. That is what he should have done, according to player safety. Case, uh, case closed there, but... In all seriousness, you look at some other uh, checks of the head that were suspended. Uh, Connor Clifton had one earlier this year, and Brett Howden. And I thought those were similar. Those were two gamers. Uh, the ones that were more was the Gallagher elbow, and that was a clear elbow. And uh, there was one one more. That was a chicken yeah. wing. Yes. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about predatory hits and predatory mm. play. That was textbook. And... I mean, we said it right there. I was stunned that that wasn't an in-person hearing Yep. to give them the ability to suspend for more five games. They didn't even go that way. They gave them the five once they finished the phone call. Um, but for Dylan to get three, I mean, Zucker got three with that hit on Nick Cousins. Mm-hmm. Now, to be honest, I think there's a lot of people that felt like Zucker maybe should have got a pass a little bit because it was in clear retaliation, not... The, I mean, I guess NHL player safety doesn't want clear retaliation. But for what Nick Cousins, known rat himself, did just moments before. But, I mean, that was drilled shoulder into the numbers, head into the glass of a guy that wasn't even looking. Um, to compare that to what happened yesterday, which absolutely, or the uh, on Tuesday, which absolutely was a hockey play. Um, there was no elbow. Uh, there was no leaving of the feet. Um, 
I don't know. I think, uh, listen, I think this was a lot more than a lot of people around here. And I'm sure a lot more people in a lot of people in the Jets organization felt that NHL player safety was going to dole out. Yeah, it was definitely uh, a bit more. And again, you know, the McAvoy got suspended for headshot four games on Oliver Ekman Larson. These were, I thought, intent headshots. This seemed like a guy who just stood there and um, and uh, Chari just ran into him and I didn't think it was a lot of intent. I didn't think he had used excessive force, but the visual of the helmet flying up, I think that added an extra game if you thought it was going to be two games. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And it is strange. Like you, you go back to the Brandon Smith hit on, uh, on Connor Bedard. I mean, broke his jaw. As last time I checked, a jaw was part of your head. And that didn't get anything. And the response on that one was, oh, kid's got to learn to keep his head up going down the middle from his coach. So that's why I think it was so torn. And we mentioned, you know, John Butchagross from ESPN, uh, Mark Spector from Sportsnet, uh, former NHLers Brent Sopel and Rob Shrimp on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, saying, you know, that they thought it was clean. And I don't know, I guess Dylan could have gone from the side more. But he's trying to line him up shoulder to chest, and the guy's bent over, and it's a quick, you know, analyzing these in super slow motion. It's a quick game. Things happen fast. And I don't think Dylan is a dirty player. I don't think he tried to take his head off. I think if he wanted to, it would have been much worse. So uh, Achari did, oh. he didn't practice today. He had a, con, you know, had a concussion. So, you know, disappointing for the Jets. He's out for three games, and. We're kind of left wondering about player safety because, like, you just don't know what to what to say. I I I'm all for eliminating hits to the head, but it just seems like the rule is not getting applied consistently, and that's one because I feel like an asshole come out here saying, "Oh, you know, you shouldn't get suspended when this guy has got a concussion and you know could have long term implications from that." But we're just trying to say apply the rules consistently here and they just aren't and everyone knows it yeah i, I mean again we could probably you know beat this to, to yeah. death and uh, talk about it for a long time but you know it's not really different than a number of other conversations we've had except for the fact that this is uh, involving a member of the winnipeg jets and now brandon Dillon, who's been such a workhorse in the top four will not be available to the club for this game tonight in philly so Let's get to how things look without Brendan Dillon in the lineup. Uh, Morrissey and DeMello will play together. Dylan Sandberg is going to move up to play alongside Neil Pionk on the uh, Hermantown connection. Nate Schmidt will maintain his spot on the third pair, and it's Logan Stanley that gets in. Now, Logan Stanley, the only defenseman, uh, the only extra defenseman with the Winnipeg Jets right now on the current roster, with Declan Chisholm being picked up off waivers last week by the Minnesota Wild. But, of course, Remus, the big conversation online and amongst many Winnipeg Jet fans is what this might mean for an opportunity for Vili Hainala. And uh, Bones had said yesterday that they would go into this game with Logan Stanley in the mix. Um, I'm not sure if it'll depend on how Stan plays and how the team does tonight, but you'd have to think that there is consideration of adding Vili Hainala to, to the mix, although it will mean that they would have to, you know, put a player like Dominic Toninato on waivers if they did make that move, um, if they wanted to add him to the roster 
to potentially get in a couple games uh, beginning on Saturday night against the Pittsburgh Penguins here in Winnipeg if they want to give Billy a chance to uh, get a look and get back into NHL games. Yeah, you know, listening to Scott O'Neill today, he hinted that Logan Stanley is going to get a look for the next three games. So all those Billy uh, stands out there, you know, fans of Billy Hainala, maybe hold your hold your breath. And you know, we do the I talk about Nintendo ice hockey a lot, and you know, Dylan, he would be a fat guy in Nintendo ice hockey, and they want to. Rep- sorry, sorry, Brett, not saying he's fat, but he's big guy. The, he's a big guy, and Logan Stanley is also a big guy. So I think they the Jets see that. As a replacement, you don't replace a, a big guy with a skinny guy. Uh, I don't know. I think they want to maintain maintain the ratio of skinny, big, medium guys on their I'm defense. I'm not sure that all NHL teams use your Nintendo ice hockey they don't? series, though, for the a Jets. First spot. Well, you know what? But maybe you're on to something. I mean, and I think back to what Paul Maurice said over and over again, oh. and Rick Bonus has said this as well. Uh, it is about roles. And uh, listen, the role Logan Stanley is going to play on that third pairing um, is going to be probably playing some sheltered minutes uh, and probably, you know, getting some time on the PK. Um, listen, if if you're asking me what I like to see Villanueva over the next three games, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, and I do, and I will say for the record right now, Villy will get a call up at some point and Villy will get games towards the end of the season because I, I do think that he'll get the opportunity to go into the lineup, you know, potentially at the expense of a healthy Nate Schmidt, even despite the fact that Schmidt's played very well and really sort of solidified his spot in the lineup um, to see if he brings more. And I mean, the one thing that sometimes is lost on maybe some of the online conversation is just, you know, how great defensively this team has been. Uh, all year long with the guys that have been in the roster or been, you know, in the lineup. And we haven't heard a lot of complaining about Nate Schmidt for the last couple months, frankly, because he's been getting the job done. I know he makes a lot of money. There's nothing anyone can do about that. But I will say this, if Stanley struggles tonight, and listen, it's, I don't know how, when the last time he played was, it was probably about two months ago. I mean, it certainly isn't an easy position just to come in from two months in the press box and play. Um, But guess what? This is pro sports, and you have a guy that by all accounts made the team with this same coaching staff at the beginning of the year, got injured, was out for two or three months, and is now playing at a pretty high level with the Manitoba Moose. So um, Logan Stanley better make the most of his opportunity, I guess is what I'm saying. And hopefully, one way or the other, the team can get back to their winning ways. And listen, this is a lot about goal scoring and a lot about getting back into, uh, you know, into some good feelings offensively. I don't know whether Logan Stanley is going to do much offensively. And I think you could make the argument, Remus, that with the team that is having a tough time scoring goals and on the power play, that Billy Hanela might be a better choice, at least coming into the uh, second and third game of it. Um, but I do have a feeling that they feel that Stan has played the good soldier like Declan Chisholm did. No one got hurt. No one played themselves out of the lineup. So he'd waited for his opportunity for a long time, and he's going to get it tonight. I guess the other side of that conversation is, um, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for Stan to go have a few good games. Maybe that helps him be more of a trade chip for the Winnipeg Jets that I don't think come playoff time, barring, a number of injuries would expect to have Logan Stanley in the lineup. Yeah. And I almost wonder too, um, you 
know if they could have used a guy like Declan Chisholm if he would have maybe seen an opportunity or their you know Stan was just ahead of him on the death or I mean that's why he went on on waivers so uh, I don't know I mean I think back I mean Chisholm got in first I, yeah, I believe when those guys had been out for a long time and again that's two months ago so you know there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes in practice uh, when you're talking about a seventh and eighth defenseman who's going to go in first um, that we don't see, that we don't really talk about, that we don't hear from from the coaching staff. Um, but to your original point, I mean, there is an element of the role that players are leaving, uh, players are missing out. Like, put it this way, if it was a Josh Morrissey that was missing, uh, I think the chances of Vili being into the lineup would be a lot greater than, you know, missing Brendan Dillon in this case. Um, but as I said, this conversation isn't going to stop anytime soon. Now that Billy's healthy, now that he's playing with the Manitoba Moose, um, you know, getting his legs back, I would imagine you could make the argument, in fact, that because he's been playing games lately, he might be in a better situation to go in and make a positive impact on the club right now. But the bottom line is, stands in tonight, and um, you know he's going to have to um, he's going to have to show that he's. Uh, worthy of taking that job right now because they do have a very talented young guy that is going to get in at some point, chomping at the bit to show what he can do. Uh, you mentioned Scott Arneal. Why don't we uh, hear from Arnie today? He sort of did the uh, coach's interview today after the game. Bone spoke yesterday after practice, uh, but the number one story today was the Dylan suspension. Here's Scott Arneal from this morning after the skate on uh, Brandon Dylan getting three games. You know that the league's cracking down on that stuff. We just felt that there was a lot of things that um, when they make those rulings, there's a lot of things, the chicken wing, uh, you know, leave, leaving your feet, uh, you know, direct. I know it uh, kind of hit the head, but at the end of the day, Dilly did a lot of the correct things, and so it's hard. I mean, we, we expected that there was going to be some kind of deci decision, but we really, really weren't hoping for three, you know. So, But at the end of the day, you know, we... They're going to miss their player, I'm sure, for a few games as well. So, um, get to live with it. We got to move on. You know, now Stan's chance to step in. With the caveat that I'm not looking to walk you into trouble here, you get, there's been some incidents with some frustration. Obviously, you look at uh, the the Cole Perfetti situation and Kyle Connor. You lost him for five weeks, and there's nothing. I, I guess a lot of players. Maybe there's a lot of confusion about how things work, right? But. Yeah, you're keeping you're going down the wrong road for me here. Too big of a fine. Exactly. Uh, no, it just whatever. It's yeah. you know you have to live with them. Once a decision comes down, there's not much you can do, and you just got to move on. And I'm sure, you'd like to see them. You know, maybe have your own opinion on it as a team, and that you'd like to see things done. But it is what it is. All right. So there's Arnie with the the reaction. We've given our reaction, and uh, you know we'll hear a little bit more on Stan getting in. But uh, Remo, why don't we play the the explanation from the Department of Player Safety? I'm sure there's a lot of people that have not seen or heard that yet. So for all of you asking why the heck did Brendan, Gillen, Brendan Dillon get three games, this is why, courtesy of the adjudicators on the matter, the Department of Player Safety. Achari skates the puck through the neutral zone as Dillon steps up from the middle of the ice to challenge. As Achari chips the puck into the jet zone, Dillon finishes a high, hard hit that misses Achari's core making the head the main point of contact on a hit where such head contact was avoidable. This is an illegal check to the head. It is important to note that both elements of the illegal check to the head rule are satisfied on this play. First, the head is the main point of contact. As Dylan's shoulder makes direct and forceful contact with Achari's head, and it is the head that absorbs the majority of the force of the check. 
Second, the head contact on this play is avoidable. We acknowledge that Achari is bent forward as he carries the puck up the ice, but he is in this position for some time and does not materially change the position of his head or body in a way that contributes to the head being the main point of contact. Dylan chooses an angle of approach that cuts across the front of Achari's body, missing his core and picking his head. If Dylan wants to deliver this hit, he must choose an angle that hits through Achari's shoulder and core, rather than one that makes the head the main point of contact. To summarize, this is an illegal check to the head. Achari suffered an injury on the play. Dylan has been suspended once during his 863-game NHL career. The Department of Player Safety has suspended Brendan Dillon for three games. You know, um, so there you have it from NHL player safety, breaking it down. Um, the one thing I found interesting, Green, was that they mentioned that Dillon had been suspended once in his 800-plus games career. It was in 2017. I believe that that is essentially you're treated as a non-offender, so I don't know why that was in there at the end. But whatever, it, it's three games, and we heard Scott O'Neill and probably everyone else from the Jets uh, a, a little miffed, I think, that the severity of what was thrown down. Yeah, they mentioned that, but then put on the – on the screen there that it said no relevant history. So yeah, like why are they bringing it up? Uh, you think this is a makeup call for the Minnesota Wild because he didn't get suspended for Kaprizov and they added a game on that? <laughs> like, well, I mean, I, I don't mean, know. I'm sure, I'm sure Wild fans, there probably are some Wild fans and maybe even a few that have popped in to uh, check in on what we're up to today that are saying justice has finally been served, yeah. but... I still maintain that that play between Dylan and Kaprasov happens dozens of times a game. Um, I, and I, I saw it, and Adam Lowry did it a couple times. I mean, you always see guys jockeying for position in and around the usual short cross checks low. Um, I didn't think that was suspendable at all. I thought it was a little bit unfortunate, but uh, obviously it depends on what side of the fence you're looking at it from uh, because I know the people in Minnesota were pretty hot. Although if it was a fourth liner as opposed to Kaprizov, I can pretty much guarantee you that's never mentioned once. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of just joking around. And I guess the takeaway is don't try to line guys up and hit him in the chest. I don't try to chip his shoulder or stick your butt out and go for a hip check or um I don't I don't know if he's gonna change the way that he plays or not from that, because I think you know, you're trying to line him up on the chest and his head is leaning forward like that. I, I think it's tough to line them up, but I agree. Head hits should be out of the game. You don't want to see... I mean, it's, they showed the replay on this video so many times. It is a brutal collision. Uh, there's no doubting that, but... It is. It, it is crazy how far forward he's leaning with his head into it. Yeah. And again, you know, you can't and you don't want to say it's the guy's own fault um, because right now, the onus is on the player not to make initial contact with the head. And... I think we can all agree that Brendan Dillon in this hmm. instance is guilty of that. Um, but again, it's a very different hit that, in, in my opinion, that many other things have gotten, uh, shall we say, have gotten a much lighter sentence from uh, from NHLPA. Um, let's get back to uh, Arnie um, because, as we mentioned, Logan Stanley is the guy getting in as the uh, extra defenseman right now while Billy Hanel continues to uh, be on the Moose roster. Here's what Arnie had to say about the opportunity for uh, the big guy. 
You know what, he's been extremely patient. He's done a great job of, you know, staying ready. I know it's been frustrating for him in the sense that, uh, you know, he wants to play and like everybody does. And, you know, he'll get obviously these three games, you know, we're right in the, you know, the second half of the year, big games, big moments. And, um, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, he's ready to go. I think he is. He's been working really hard, like I say, in practice to be uh, for this opportunity. All right. So there's uh, Scott Arneal from uh, from this morning. Um, Bone spoke yesterday after the uh, after the practice that the team had, and uh, here's what uh, Rick had to say about Logan Stanley. Uh, one thing about Logan, he, he he works very hard every day in practice, and he, and, he, and he treats every drill as a game situation. So he's doing everything he could to control him to get ready for it. Uh, just be reliable defensively. Don't try to chase the game and try to do too much. Make the simple plays with the puck and really just simplify the game as much as you can. All right, so there's Bones. Um, so, yeah, I know there's some fans that have been uh, beating the drub for Vili Hainala that were hoping they'd see him as early as tonight. Um, we knew yesterday that, that wasn't the case. I, I do think that maybe the fact that it's a three-game suspension opens up the opportunity for Vili to get a call up a little bit more. Um, but as of right now, as we heard from Scott O'Neill, it sounds like Stan's going to get that opportunity, and we'll see what uh, what he does with it. The one thing the Jets have to do, and again, we can – obsess and talk about the seventh and sixth defenseman on the team. Um, but it's about scoring a goal or two tonight and uh, getting back to uh, feeling good offensively. Scott O'Neill touched on that and um, really want to get a focus on more traffic in front of their net and make Urson, who shut the Jets out a few weeks ago here in Winnipeg, um, give him a much harder job stopping the puck. The big thing for us is that, you know, we want somebody for sure. Somebody needs to be kind of stapled to the to the front of the net because we how it's kind of how our offense works. Um, but it's a big zone, and we don't need to pile all three guys there. Like you said, it's hard to get pucks to the net when you do that. So it's spreading them out. Um, you know, we're see, certainly seeing lots of teams kind of the way they defend. We want to use that whole zone, and um, we want to bring them out away from the net. We want them to create some seams and gaps kind of like you would with a power play. You want to open it up, uh, some ice up for yourself. So, um, but the, the the next part of that is you know the greasy goals we talked about in training camp. We've talked about different parts of the year. Uh, we need to get back to getting some of those those rebounds, those deflections, those hack and whacks, those second pucks. So we can't obviously be too far away from the net. People need to be crashing when we looks like a shot's going to be going to the net or bad angle play, whatever it might be. We got to make sure that we're crashing and getting inside ice. All right, um, a lot of hard work on the on the. Uh on the docket for Winnipeg tonight to, uh, you know, uh, get back in and, uh, as I say, make Urson's job uh, a little bit more difficult. Um, the guy on the other end of the goaltending matchup will be Loren Brassois, who's getting the start tonight in Philly. So LB goes in for Connor Hellebuck, presumably Hellebuck back in for the rematch against Pittsburgh on Saturday night at Canada Life Centre. Um, so it'll be up to LB to try to end the losing streak. Here's what uh, Arnie said about the team's play of late and, uh, four games without getting two points. It's funny because we were just in Boston a couple of weeks ago and I talked to their coaches and they had lost three or four in a row and they said it was probably the best thing that happened to them because they were rolling along pretty good. And so we're hoping that the same kind of thing will happen. I mean, 
Um, you know, it was kind of funny with the break in between there in our first game back. Um, you know, we were sloppy the other night at times. and uh, But at the end of the day, you know, it's just a case of us getting back. I mean, we know how we need to play, what our remedy is, or our sort of makeup is to have success. And, uh, you know, that's frustrating the opposition by not giving them a lot of chance. The other night, I think the chance were 15-9 for us, 5-on-5 five five against Pittsburgh. Pretty good offensive team. And we just got to find a way, like I talked earlier, about the greasy goals and, you know, working hard to, you know, the, the pretty goals that won't always be there, especially in the second half of the year when teams tighten up. So we just got to make sure that, you know, stay positive, you know, continue to work hard. And usually uh, we work ourselves out of this. All right. So there's uh, Scott Arneal speaking today after the morning skate, just after 6 p.m. We'll drop the puck tonight in Philly for Jets and Flyers. LB in net, Logan Stanley in for the suspended Brendan Dillon. Uh, all right. We, uh, we're, we're gonna, we got a couple more clips from Bones from yesterday talking about the forward line combinations, potential changes, the top six. We'll hold on to that and play those uh, when we bring in Murata Tesh coming up uh, a little bit later on in the program. Uh, we're going to first hook up with Craig Button. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I've got good news uh, for anyone that was uh, shut out of tickets for the Canadian Whiskey Masterclass event we are doing with our friends at Canadian Club and the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival if you missed it, uh, February 29th is the date. Uh, it very quickly sold out, uh, but we just got a note this morning that um, the uh, organizer has given us four more tickets. So if you were hoping to join us on the 29th to watch the Winnipeg Jets and Dallas Stars, sip some great whiskey and learn all about it from a 36-year whiskey ambassador with Beam Suntory and Canadian Club, Check out the link in the description or go to our website, winnipegsportstalk.com slash whiskey and do that ASAP because it was sold out. They've given us just four more tickets. So if you were on the outside looking in, we'd love to see you there. It should be a really great event um, of pretty much uh, all WS tiers joining us for whiskey and hopefully a big jet win and what will be a huge game against the Dallas Stars at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame on Thursday February uh, 29th. Um, I know it doesn't feel like February outside, but it is. And uh, February is a big, big month for our friends at Manitoba Battery who are opening up a brand new store in the coming weeks in the south end of the city on Dover Court. Um, we'll have grand opening specials and sales for you right out of the gate when the doors are officially open. But in the meantime... The location, actually, of Manitoba Battery probably doesn't matter to most of you because you all know that not only will you get the best prices in town, period, on your battery, beating the pants off the big box stores, any purchase over 60 bucks, Donnie and the gang will deliver it to you anywhere inside the perimeter for free. That's right. So uh, stay tuned for more information on the new location. But in the meantime, for all your battery needs, the best prices in town, manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 204-783-8787. And uh, a shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershop as well. Guys, if you're uh, looking in the mirror, realizing you need a cut or maybe a new look, Modern Man's got Eight locations conveniently located throughout the city waiting for you to uh, help you out with a variety of grooming services, including great haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look at your nearest modern man by going online at modernmanbarber.com. And don't forget to follow them on Instagram 
at Modern Man Barbershops. And just before we bring in Craig Button, we mentioned LB going tonight. That means Connor Hellebuck in the net Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, Sidney Crosby in the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the debut of Sean Monaghan. The time is now to make sure you are in the building for Saturday night in this upcoming homestand by going to winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Get your tickets for Saturday night against the Penguins. The big uh, visit of the Sharks on Valentine's Day. Perfect date night, guys. Um, And then, of course, the much-anticipated return of the Minnesota Wild. Bad blood indeed. Uh, February 20th at Canada Life Center. It's all there at winnipegjets.com slash tickets. And while you're there, check out their smaller packages and maybe consider you or your business getting back into season tickets for the remainder of the season, which what should be a very exciting push to the playoffs. And then, of course, get the best seats at the best prices uh, with preferred playoff priority and availability through the Winni- through your Winnipeg Jets package. It's all there at winnipegjets.com. All right. Marat coming up in a few minutes, but uh, it's always a treat bringing on TSN's Director of Scouting, Craig Button, to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Craig, you're back, refreshed from Mexico, ready for a push to the playoffs like all the NHLers are, I bet. I I sure am. But let's get the first things first. Your Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl, trying to go back-to-back. The last team to do that was my Patriots back in 03-04. But you can probably see that I'm sporting my Michigan stuff. You know, national champions 2023. Uh, You know, watching the game, I watched the uh, Alabama game. Uh, uh, Me and uh, uh, John Rosen, a, a Michigan alumni, we're sitting in Gothenburg watching it. So, you know, I hope uh, I, I, I'm going I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm rooting for uh, for Travis and Taylor. And uh, I, I think it's amazing to me. I don't know. I mean, you're a Chiefs fan. And I keep hearing about the 49ers. The 49ers never stopped the Detroit Lions at any point during the, during the championship game. The only team that stopped the Detroit Lions were the Detroit Lions. Drop balls on, on, on the get first downs, the fumble. Never did the San Francisco 49ers stop Detroit. And I don't think they're going to stop the Kansas City Chiefs either. (laughs) I hope you're right. I hope you're right. It'll be a few nervous days before we finally kick off in Vegas on Sunday. Hey, listen, I want to get to the present-day Jets, but you're wearing that Michigan shirt, and you mentioned Michigan and, of course, the World Juniors. Let me ask you first about Rucker McGrory. Um, He looked great at the tournament. He has been, I believe he was the player of the month uh, for, uh, for last month. He's absolutely killing it at Michigan right now. Craig, what um, if Rucker McGordy signed with the Winnipeg Jets at the end of the season and came in, do you think he could be an impact player for the Winnipeg Jets at uh, at, at some point potentially in the postseason? I think it's always hard for a young player to come in and be an impact player. Do I think he could come in and 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 add some some attributes and elements? I do think he could do that. You know, the Winnipeg Jets have, in my view, have lots of impact players, and I think for a young player like McGroarty to come in, I think that he could more than hold his own, and he's got an infectious enthusiasm about him and and a, and a big time competitive spirit. So if you if you ask Rutger McGroarty to go in and be the third goaltender in the morning skate. Uh, and, and and just stop shots. He would go in there and give it everything he's got, and and that's the, that that's the type of person he is. You know, over time, and I, I'm very I'm very open about this. I have a man crush on Rucker. Like I love him as a person. I love him as a as a hockey player. You and the and, whole city of Winnipeg. Is, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm happy to be on that. I'm happy to be on the majority train. I really am because he he's a special person. 
and and he's a really really strong hockey player. And you know, if you if you take all the individual things, and you, you know, he might not be in a skills competition in the All Star game, but when you're playing and you're trying to win, you want Rutger McGroarty on your side. I'm going to tell you who he reminds me of in terms of the, the impact that, that I think he'll eventually have. And if and, and I worked for him, and, and he's a Hall of Famer, and I think Rutger will probably have a little bit more offense to him. But Bob Gainey is the player that I see Rutger being like to a team. The, the, the ability to change the course of a game, to will the game in your team's favor, to do things that are so impactful that don't show up always in the, in the stats column, but they show up in the win column. And I think that that's the type of approach. You know, having watched Rutger for so long now, and it, it feels like I've been watching him forever, but the continued development, I'm really comfortable saying that I think he could be like a Bob Gainey impact on, on, on a team. And I'll say it right now, I think he's an untouchable player. I know everybody talks about you got to give up something to, to get something, but unless you're getting a, a, a player that can have that type of impact in, 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 in right now, there's no way he, I would trade Rutger McGordy. He is the untouchable player in my view. And you just mentioned all those attributes that he brings. I mean, uh, and the energy that he brings. Um, I mean, I'd want that, even if it wasn't on the ice around my team in the playoffs. And uh, just quickly on record, I mean, it's now, you know, the second season since he's been drafted. I remember speaking with you and your excitement about Rucker and the pick when the Jets made it two years ago. How far has he come from when he was 18 hearing his name called to right now being on the cusp of turning pro at the end of the season? Well, I, I think he's progressed significantly. And, and, you know, using your term, he's come so far. And, and that's what you want to see from a young player. You, you draft a player at 18, you're projecting of what you think he can become. And certainly uh, the Jets, you know, loved Rutger McGrody. They saw lots of potential in him. And, and, and I'm going to bet that probably the, the Winnipeg Jets might be really impressed with how much his development ha has gone on. And, you know, I'll use an example. You know, when we drafted Jerome Ginla back in 1995 with the Dallas Stars, we knew Jerome was going to be, when I say we knew, our belief was that Jerome would be a really good, strong NHL player, 30 goals, power forward, maybe 35 goals. Well, he far exceeded that. <laughs> so, you know, I can say that we were wrong in our projection about Jerome because he was a superstar. And we didn't project him as a superstar we projected him as a really good strong player on a team and he became far more than that and I think that that's where Rutger I'm not I'm not comparing him to Jerome McGinley I'm comparing it to the progression from the time he got drafted and I don't think there's any doubt that in my mind that when he comes into the NHL his impact will be significant on a team and it, it'll be infectious as you point out about the, the, the enthusiasm you know you know the saying no bad days I I, I don't think that Rutger has any bad days. I just, I've, I've never seen him. I've been around him so much. I, I've never seen that. Even when he was having his injury uh, recovery leading into the World Junior, I mean, he was just zeroed right in on what he was going to do. The first game at the World Junior, he had, I don't know what he had, he must have had about a half dozen chances. And he was just off a little bit, a little bit of the timing. And even after that game, he was like, no, no I'm okay. I, I, like, it feels good to be back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to score. I'm going to do the things I need to do. And, and of course, he did. Well, we'll be following him throughout the rest of this season in Michigan, and then uh, I know a lot of people uh, crossing their fingers that we might see him in Winnipeg <laughs> at some point later on this season. Um, someone that just, well, hasn't actually played a game yet here in Winnipeg, but made his Jets debut, 
with Sean Monaghan on Pittsburgh, Craig. Uh, what did you think about the acquisition of Monaghan and uh, what he brings to the Winnipeg Jets? I think it's a terrific acquisition for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, they find themselves in a spot at this point in the season as, as one of the best teams in the, in the National Hockey League. And certainly when you look at the way they played, you know, defensively, how deep they are, Sean just makes them deeper and stronger. And he's had a, had an excellent season in Montreal. And when you when you consider how healthy Sean Monaghan is, you now see a player that can be productive. Sean Monaghan isn't the same player today that he was in Calgary, you know, earlier on in his career. But when you're bookended by Mark Scheifele and Adam Lowry, I think it's a perfect spot for Sean Monaghan. But he doesn't all he doesn't just have to be a bookend between those players. You can move Sean Monaghan around your lineup and for Rick Bonus to be able to have that flexibility with a player that, you know, on the ice, you, you know, you're never worried because he's a great faceoff player. You know, he's very conscientious defensively. He's good on the power play. He can play the wing. He can play with different players. And I think that adding all those attributes in Sean Monaghan's game to an already really good, strong, functioning team is nothing but positive. Nothing but positive for uh, the Winnipeg Jets. And so, you know, people, oh, it's a first round draft pick. Well, I don't know if I've ever said this to you. I consider 21 to 50 all first round draft picks. Like, you know, like I can name, I can name 20 guys right now that I know are going to be first round draft picks. After that, I'm not as certain, you know, I can take it, but I really believe, and that's why teams, and you hear it all the time, you hear team, they dropped a guy at 41. We can't believe he was there at 41. Do you know why? Because they rated him in the twenties and and then that's how it works. And so uh, it, it's not a first round draft, like, well, it's a first round draft pick because that's, that's the first goal. But to me, the price to be a good team comes uh, you know, with a price. And I don't think the price that the Winnipeg Jet, Jets paid for Sean Monaghan is anything that's prohibitive. That's anything that should be uh, considered uh, unjust. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great move for a Winnipeg Jets team that has designs on going deep into the playoffs and contending. Craig, uh, speaking of the upcoming deadline, there's been a lot of talk now that Monaghan is a Winnipeg Jets about Kevin Sheveldale potentially uh, moving his focus to uh, an improvement on the blue line. And the name Chris Tanev's come up quite a bit. Uh, what would you think about a fit of Tanev with the Flames? And, and from what you're hearing, what's it going to take to get Chris Tanev out of Calgary, considering the interest in him around the league? Well, you know, the Toronto media, who are really just Maple Leafs cheerleaders, you know, they're starting to try to, they're just trying, they're, they're starting to run the narrative that Chris Tanev isn't worth a second round draft pick, or he's only worth, you're not going to get more than a second round. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, right. Okay. Listen, you, you're going for it, right? I mean, Ben Sherrod went for a first round draft pick. Uh, David Savard went for a first round draft pick. Don't start telling me that Chris Tanev isn't worth a second round draft, isn't worth a first round draft pick because he's a really, really good player. You know, I, I talked about Rutger. Chris Tanev is, is, is that player that comes into your lineup and he is fully committed to doing whatever it takes to help your team win. Fully committed. He, he can play lots of minutes. He can play rugged minutes. He can play the heavy minutes. He can play against the other teams. And and, and when I look at, at the Winnipeg Jets, and I, I, and I think that me looking at their team and, and where they're at, 
I think, in, uh, like an addition, some strength on the blue line that can ease some of the some of the burden. Number one on Josh Morrissey. Number two off of Demello and Pionk, who, who aren't bigger defensemen. You know, they they carry themselves. They got some weight. They're competitive. I think that that would really help that blue line. And you you now have a really good, strong penalty killer. You have somebody that can match up hard against the other team's best players. And Chris Tanev doesn't give an inch to anybody. He, he, he's territorial, he's competitive and combative. And to me, that type of a player, when you're going into the playoffs and you want to strengthen that area of your team, and, and, and that's your top two pairs of defense, I think Chris Tanev would be a terrific fit with the Winnipeg Jets. And certainly, and, and like, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens and understanding that, you know, everybody's got, but there's no way that anybody's going to tell me he's not worth a first round draft pick. When I see Ben Sherratt and I see David Savard, to just name a couple of guys that, that got traded for first round draft picks, go for that price. There's just no way. And again, you, you want to be serious about winning. Don't tell me what the cost is. Tell me, are you prepared to pay it? And, and that's a simple yes or no. Because the price, when your team is really good and your team has a chance to really push itself forward, the price of not doing something is far greater than the price to, that you might have to pay to get that player or players. Craig Button with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Craig, last week, and you knew it was going to happen at some point, the Jets were going to have to expose, in all likelihood, one of their young defensemen, Declan Chisholm, got plucked off the waiver wire for Minnesota. And now Brendan Dillon is suspended. Now, for tonight's game number one, um, Logan Stanley's been with the team. He's going to be in the lineup. Um, many people, myself included, think in the near future, we're probably going to see Billy Hainala at some point. Um, assuming there's no additions to the blue line or until that happens, what do you think the best course for the Jets is to get Billy in and get him into the lineup, considering how well he played in camp, the fact that he probably won a spot in the opening lineup and then missed half a season with that ankle injury and is now playing with the Manitoba Moose. How, how do they bring him in and what makes the most sense considering how well the six ahead of Logan Stanley in the depth chart have played so far this year, looking at the goals against numbers? Well, I mean, one of the best defensive teams in the league. I mean, there's no question about it. And certainly, you know, Declan Chisholm, he played two games for the Winnipeg Jets. They couldn't get him in the lineup because the players were just saying, like, you can't take us out. We're playing too well. And and I, I think that's a real credit to, to the six blue liners that have really carried the load. And, and you know, Nate Schmidt it was with a healthy scratch a couple of times. And Logan Stanley, you know, had his spots out of the lineup, some of it because of injury, some of it because he just couldn't get in the lineup. And and to your point, Billy was having a fantastic preseason he he looked like he, he looked sturdier he looked really more confident in, in his defending ability and ironically just an unfortunate injury defending hard like like he was showing that he was capable of doing so I, I guess the silver lining here is for the Winnipeg Jets in, in in the immediate future the three games Brendan Dillon is out you've lost Declan Chisholm is that if, if, if Billy is able to get in there now and start you know trying to look it's a good opportunity to get him in there get his feet wet you know you're you're giving him that opportunity to try to find his way in the lineup you're not unseating somebody to get him in there and I don't know what his state of readiness is to come into the in, in there but but if he is ready now I'd get him in there right away I'd get him in there right now playing and and, and get his feet wet and then see where he's going I mean I'm not splitting up I'm just not splitting up 44 and two 
Like, you know, I don't think you have to do that. You know, now with Brendan Dillon out of the lineup, it's going to be interesting. You know, what do you do with with, with Neil Pionk? Do you want Hanola and Pionk to play together? You know, certainly Sandberg has been a, a really good, strong player for the Winnipeg Jets this year. You know, I, I might be inclined to play Pionk and Stanley together and then have Hanola play with Sandberg because, because Dillon's been so steady in his play this year if 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 Dilly's able to come back in there and play and, and, and his readiness dictates that he's ready to play. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow. I mean, I, I think for many of us, we don't need to get down the inconsistency of NHL player safety, but um, I think we thought it might be one game or two games. Well, now that it's three games, it does give them that chance. And the team's going to be coming home from Philly after this game. I think a lot of people would love to see Billy get a chance potentially Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I guess from his perspective, Craig, knowing how important his next time in the lineup is, uh, it's a matter of going in, showing everything that he did in training camp and giving Rick Bonus uh, a very, very difficult decision to take him out of the lineup when opportunity presents itself. Coaches will tell you, you know, at, at these points in time, you know, that this is a good problem to have to have too many good defensemen, right? Doesn't make the decisions any easier, but those are decisions you want to, you want to be able to have. And certainly, you know, the, the, if, if Billy can find that form coming back from, from that ankle injury, it, it'll only help uh, the Winnipeg Jets going forward. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dive in here. I'm going to dive in here on, uh, on the suspension to Brendan Dillon. On November 30th in a game versus the Edmonton Oilers, Matthias Janmark absolutely hammered Josh Morrissey in the head on an interference call that I said on the broadcast should have been a two-game suspension. They didn't even give him a suspension. They didn't even give him a fine. And now when I see the Brendan Dillon play, that's the inconsistencies that people look at from the Department of Player Safety and go, what? I was like, I, I know that not every play is the same, but how could Matthias Janmark not get suspended for that? And then Brendan Dillon gets three games. And I'm not saying that Brendan Dillon didn't deserve to be suspended, but to me, it's the inconsistencies that get themselves the criticism that that comes their way. The Dillon play was, was really strange in that yeah. I mean, when you look at it back, I mean, Achari at one point kind of reminds me of one of those speed skaters, you know, where they put both of their hands behind huh? their, their head and just like lean right in head first. I mean, it certainly didn't look like Dylan was intending to do it or head hunting. Um, and you don't see, or you certainly didn't see that five, six, seven years ago in the league of guys leading with their head like that uh, when they're entering into the zone. Like, I'm not really too sure how much he could have done. Listen, when you see the guy's helmet fly off and he gets hurt, Obviously, there's going to be a call from NHL player safety, but I'll admit, Craig, I was I was stunned considering what we've seen for other things, certainly involving the Winnipeg Jets. Don't get us going on that with Hartman and all that, that uh, Brendan Dillon all of a sudden is the guy that's getting a three-gamer when you look at what they've done so far in other, maybe not totally similar situations, but with what three games has been given for this year. I totally agree, and that's why I say, like, I mean, I was right in the building for, for that Edmonton game on November 30th, and Matias, yeah, I mean, it was complete interference. It was complete head contact. I mean, Josh Morrissey had to leave because of concussion protocol. The spotters took him onto the game, and it was a really tight, competitive game, as as we know. But to me, that like, and 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 again, like. I don't think players, you know, for the most part are going out and trying to intend to like, in fact, I, you know, intend 
things happen in the course of a game and you got to be in control. And Matias Janmark was completely not in control. And and I agree with you on, on the Brendan Dillon thing. It's like, okay, you know, what, what's the responsibility? And I'm not, I'm not here to blame any victim whatsoever. You know, you look at it, what could a Brendan Dillon be doing differently, but the inconsistency in the application of the, 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 the number of games suspended just, just puzzles me. It puzzles me. I don't know what else to say. Craig, uh, going into the break, uh, the Jets, some of the goals really dried up. And I think it's not a coincidence that Mark Shifley was out of the lineup. Coming back from the break, Shifley's in and I thought looked really good. Monaghan had some nice shifts with Ehlers and Perfetti. Uh, but they got shut out by the Penguins. And there is, I would say, there's a little bit of nervousness considering what's happened in the second half of seasons before. Can you... Uh, can you calm the nerves of Jet fans? I mean, uh, should they be worried right now? I mean, uh, where do you think this team is at? And and looking ahead to this next game tonight, game Saturday, in these next few weeks, what do the Winnipeg Jets need to do to uh, get back to their winning ways? I'll try my best to, uh, you know, try to alleviate the fears of Jets fans because I, I, I see this team as very different. And even before the break, I, I, I thought that they were, you know, they lose they lose one nothing in overtime in Toronto. I thought that Winnipeg was the better team. And certainly Samson Sonoff played excellent. On the, on the return game, I thought Winnipeg played really well. Samsonov, again, was was a real significant difference maker. And and certainly when, when you score one goal in two games, you know, that you, you're, it's hard to win games. So, so you got to find a way to score. Defensively, this is one of the best teams in the league, and, I, and, and they're still not giving up very much. It, it would be one thing if, if you're floundering in, in an area of your strength and that's falling off. And certainly, you know, the record, what, what they did, two goals or less for that stretch, three goals or less for over 30 games. I mean, it was, it was beyond impressive. And that's not going to carry through, you know, like, like it, it's hard to carry that through for 20 games, let alone 30-plus. What I see now is, is, is a team that, that, that is still committed, and, and this is what I like about the Jets. They're still committed, and, and we hear this all the time. We're going to play to our identity. They're going to play to the things that give them strength. And, and that's what I continue to see for the Winnipeg Jets. Even against Pittsburgh on Tuesday night, I thought that they were they were committed, they were playing. Yes, they had some good chances. They weren't able to bury it. And Tristan Jari deserves some credit for that too. I mean, the goaltender gets in the way. But, you know, you, you try to find a way. Last year when they were struggling and they went into their struggles, they weren't getting chances. Like the, the offense dried up because they weren't getting chances. The defense was vulnerable because they were creating their vulnerabilities. I don't see that in this little stretch here. So until I start to see signs of that, and I don't think I'm going to because I think that this team is very different. Mark Shifley coming back after the injury and after the break. It's going to be a hard game in Philadelphia on Thursday night. But Philadelphia is a hard team. But I think the Winnipeg Jets are a hard team. And I think that all the things that they've done so well to find themselves in the position they are in the National Hockey League and in the Western Conference are things that are going to serve them well. So I, I don't see any reason. I know when you start to have some uh, – uh, losses and they and they start to stretch a little bit more. You start to go, oh boy, is this is this a sign? I don't see signs of of a team that's going to dip. Yes, they got to find a way to score, and 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 that has to be the objective right now. But they're getting their chances, and they haven't moved away from the identity and the strengths of what got them to this point. You know, uh, you know, looking at the standings right now, I mean, it's so bunched up at the top of the Central with the top three teams in Winnipeg, Colorado, and Dallas. 
I mean, Vancouver's had this incredible run. They've got a little bit of room, but you've got Vegas and Edmonton right there. Craig, how important in your mind is finishing first in those divisions and not only getting one of the wildcard teams, which I think we can all agree there's a bit of a gap from those top six, but also not being in that 2-3 series in the first round of the playoffs, which, I mean, no matter how you shake it up, you're going to have an elite team, a really good team that you could argue is a Stanley Cup contender on the golf course two weeks into the playoffs. Well, I mean, you, you look at the uh, you look at the six teams, and and it's Vancouver, Vegas, Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton, and the Pacific, and it's Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, and the Central, right? And and they are the six teams. I mean, they're right. So your choice is really simple. <laughs> Do you want to get into a two-three matchup where you, you, you know you're going to get you're going to get bruised, you're going to get battered, you're going to get cut up, but chunks of you are going to be taken out of you, even if you win? And and you're right, two teams. Two legitimate Stanley Cup contenders are going to be out in the first round of the playoffs. Legitimate Stanley Cup contenders out in the first round of the playoffs. You want to avoid that at every cost. You really do. And so, you know what? Again, I, I like I have I have this much time, Andrew, for the NBA in-season tourney. And anybody that wants to suggest that the NHL should do something like that, come on, I'll fight you. Well, I'm not a fighter, but you know, I'll fight you in some way. I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll do spitballs at you. Like I'll argue with that to my because what we have right now we have our in season tournament we have the race for first place we have the race to make sure you're not in that two three spot and then the playoffs start we don't need an in season tournament we have everything you need from a competitive from a competitive initiative with our teams but finishing first getting the wild card finishing first in that in, in each of those divisions gets you that that is that is something that is a real benefit to the teams finishing first. You know, one team that's not in those six that certainly was at the start of the year was the LA Kings. I mean, what 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 has happened to the Kings? Is that season salvageable? And uh, I, how concerning is the first year for Dubois in LA? Oh, let's let's start with uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. How concerning is it? I mean, they signed him to a long term contract, made a big trade, and to to say he would be underwhelming, he he needs to improve to get to the level of underwhelming. That's how bad he's been. And his competitive spirit has been terrible. And when, you, when your effort and your determination and your competitive spirit is, is where it's at, and, and I mean, we're talking on measurables, it, it's like right low. And, and that's no good. Like, that's something under his control. You, you, you know, Todd McClellan, you know, was working with him, working with him, with him. Like he finally came out publicly and said, you know, you know, you need more. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, and, you know, I, I, I heard Dave Keon talk about it pro- during All-Star Week in Toronto. you got to take a look at yourself in the mirror. He was talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs core. He said you've won one playoff round in eight years. You know, winning the Stanley Cup and competing for the Stanley Cup is what matters. You better look at yourself in the mirror. Pierre-Luc Dubois better stand up and stay in front of that mirror for a long time because the problem that is Pierre-Luc Dubois will be staring him right back in the face, and he's capable of a lot more. Cam Talbot, we've seen him over the course of his career. His highs are really high and his lows are really low. The problem is, is you never know when the highs are coming or when the lows are coming. That's Cam Talbot. That's that's what you get when you get Cam Talbot. And certainly his play hasn't been very good. And then you look at Pierre-Luc Dubois and the offense. You know, I've I, I had this discussion with people in, in, in Los Angeles. 
Kevin Fiala hasn't produced. I, I, and people keep telling me how many chances he's had and everything. Like, he went through a long stretch without scoring. They're counting on him to score. When you get paid that money and you get paid the amount of money that, that you're getting paid and, and at that at those levels that Pierre-Luc Dubois and Fiala are getting paid, you, you got to score. Don't tell me how many chances you got. Don't tell me how many expected goals you got. If you got expected goals, that means you're doing the right things. But at some point in time, that puck's got to go in the net. And when you're going 20-plus games and you're getting two goals and you're going long stretches without scoring, doesn't cut it anymore. So the Winnipeg Jets, you know, with respect to the goaltending, the Dubois, Fiala, the scoring, I mean, I, I was I was in Calgary, and I'll, I'll give you an example, the 0 season. I think we started out 13-2-1 in our first 15 games, and we missed the playoffs. We fell right off. I'm watching the LA Kings. It feels like something very similar. Yeah, they, uh, uh, you know, obviously you make the coaching change and <laughs> – um, not much else for uh, that team to do than either uh, step up, play better, or potentially be uh, be out of the playoffs, similar to that Calgary team that you just mentioned. Craig, thanks so much for the time. This was uh, this was great. Enjoy the Super Bowl on the weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you uh, later on, maybe closer to the deadline as things heat up around the NHL, and uh, hopefully we can uh, talk about the Jets team that's uh, back doing what they did heading into the break for the most part with 30 wins before the All-Star game. Well, you enjoy your time away. Enjoy uh, MC in the wedding. I hope you sing a little love story by Taylor Swift during the wedding, and I hope you get to sing it on Sunday night after the Chiefs win. <laughs> You're the best, Craig. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right, man, that was a great segment with Craig Button. Thanks to him, and uh, great to see everybody in chat with their uh, with their take on it. Um, perfect segue, if you haven't already, to get in on it. Um, why not question of the day for not Autocorp at Waverly and McGillivray? Very simply... Fair or foul, three games for Brendan Dillon. Sound off in the comments. If you're watching us later on, leave a comment in the description of this video. Speaking of a commenters, I got to give a special thanks to Cosmic Tales MB. Got a nice little delivery at my door. A little birthday present for yours truly. I guess uh, Cosmic had heard that I'd mentioned that uh, that was uh, coming up on the weekend. So uh, thank you very much for doing that. Um, we are going to bring in Murata Tesh. In a moment, talk more about the Jets heading into this game in Philadelphia in just a second. A little bit of a quieter day on the Bomber front, but what a week it has been for the Bombers. Bringing back Brady Oliveira, bringing back Dalton Schoen, and of course the big news last night, bringing back Brandon Alexander to the defensive secondary. Of course, all our Bomber reports brought to you by our great sponsors of Princess Auto, who are now the official naming rights partners of the home of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and can't wait to get to Princess Auto Stadium coming up this season and cheering on the blue and gold once again. Of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them in person on Panet Road or Portage Avenue West locations. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, Got to thank the gang at Wallace & Wallace for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And listen, Wallace & Wallace has been synonymous with excellence in fencing and overhead doors since 1946. And uh, we'll get to the spring and summer and we'll see their fences and trucks all over the city uh, but right now, while it is getting colder coming up over the next couple of weeks, 
Don't forget, winter is the time that puts the most stress on your garage door, and the right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your maintenance and inspection service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. That is Wallace and & Wallace. And uh, guys, if you're looking at your closet and looking, eh, you know what, I think it's time for me to step up my menswear game. One spot will take care of uh, all of that. And that, of course, is F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street. Um, custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and the biggest and best selection of menswear accessories in town. Um, what I would suggest you do is make an appointment or find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And don't forget about that 15% discount if you're in a wedding party when the fellas get their suits at F Apparel. Again, fapparel.com and uh, pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown. All right, Jets back in action tonight, but we've got a lot to talk about. And Murata Tesh of The Athletic joins us now. Murat, what's going on? How are you? Hey, how you doing? Happy birthday coming up. I'm doing up. well. Yeah, Saturday. Well, you know, I finally, you know, Remus and Connor are going to be holding down the fort for a week, actually getting away for the first time, and um, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, I had thought that maybe – I didn't think that this would overlap with the Super Bowl, but, uh, hey, being on holidays for a birthday and your team in the Super Bowl, not a, uh, not a bad deal. I will certainly take it. But uh, before uh, I get to worrying about that – we got a game to worry about tonight, and uh, we'll get into the lineup, Logan Stanley in and all of that. Uh, first off, I just have to ask you your perspective on uh, Brendan Dillon getting uh, tabbed with three games. I thought that he'd probably get a game, maybe two. Uh, I will admit I was surprised that uh, they uh, they gave him three games, just considering what has and hasn't been punished up until this point this season. Yeah, you know, I, I'd like to go through and do a proper accounting of what my guts actually say about each Department of Player Safety decision over the months or over the years, because there's a little part of me that says, okay, this guy got hurt, he's concussed, it was a, it was a clear shot to the, to the head, or a hit to the head was the primary point of contact. And I'm like, okay, three games, that sounds completely reasonable. But then you go through the actual history of what some of the other calls were, and you know, coming into this, I've just watched that Craig Button clip, you know, he was just on your show, comparing it to the Matias Janmark hit. And I, for me, that Janmark hit actually is worse because he pops his shoulder upwards towards Morrissey's head. So in terms of trying to find consistency, it's just hard to do. Um, for me, my guts say, okay, if you're trying to take headshots out of the game, three games sounds like a lot, but I can reconcile it. It's when you start comparing it to other incidents throughout the years where you you can at least you can always find one that makes you shake your head, and that's kind of what I'm doing, fresh from seeing that Janmark comparison. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, I don't know. We've sort of spoken about it, but seeing that Janmark hit, um, that was a play. The puck was nowhere near. Josh Morrissey was not expecting it, as you wouldn't. Um, you know, and I think it's more difficult to prepare yourself for a hit. I, I still think it's really weird the way Achari basically led with his head into that. And I think that was a big part of it as well. I mean, you blame the victim for that. I mean, you shouldn't know, but I mean, it's all part and parcel. And that's something you see way more now in the National Hockey League than you did a few years ago before they penalize players for this. 
Um, it does leave the Jets with a pretty significant hole in their blue line, though, going into Philly tonight and then coming back home for Pittsburgh on uh, on Saturday night. Um, were you surprised at all that, uh, I mean, from Scott O'Neill, we played this earlier. It sounds like Stan's going to get these three games. Obviously, the minute a hole opens up on the blue line, there is a section of Jets fandom that goes to Twitter and is all about Billy Hanel. And I think many of us would like to see how he'd look in this lineup right now, given a short opportunity to get in there. Um, what do you make of tonight of using Stanley tonight? And it seems the plan going forward that at least for these three games, 64 is going to get his chance to play three games in a row. Yeah, I mean, Logan Stanley is the next guy up, right? Declan Chisholm isn't kicking around. Kyle Capobianco and Billy Hanel are with the Moose. He's the guy that's there to play. Uh, he also had more games played than Chisholm prior to this, so he makes sense as the next person up in Winnipeg's uh, roster right now. When it comes to Hanela, I think his time is coming or his time should come. Um, I was looking at the schedule, though, to try to estimate in my own mind, do I think he's going to get a game coming up? And one thing to keep in mind, obviously, the Jets are on the road right now in Philadelphia, so Logan Stanley's with him. That's game one for for Darncher. That's obviously his. Winnipeg's next game's on Saturday. And Hanela will be traveling with the Moose to Grand Rapids for that. So um, he'll be uh, the Moose play Friday and Saturday. So that's two out of three games right there that I think just logistically, I don't know why you'd parachute somebody else in uh, to skip over Logan Stanley, who is ostensibly the team's seventh defenseman. Whether you agree with it, whether I agree with it, what are you doing if the guy that you're carrying around is the seventh defenseman isn't somebody that you, you plug and play at this moment? Uh, it's that third game, Wednesday against San Jose, if I've got it correct, where there's been a, there will have been a few games in between Jets, uh, in a bet- few days in between Jets games, pardon me, and you might be able to more easily return Hanel or call him up if the circumstances demand it. Uh, but for Logan Stanley, this is an opportunity, assuming he acquits himself well in those first two games. I think that third game seems reasonable as well. And, uh, you know, if the Jets do anything in the playoffs, they have to prepare for the possibility that, not all of their top six defensemen are going to play in every single game because that's just how things work. So you need to be able to trust him a little bit. Yeah, well, let's get to a comment here. The top line guys are in here, and <laughs> this is sort of funny. Can, and you know, But you do hear this from some fans. Can we stop pretending Hainala's uh, time is coming? LMAO. I, I personally, considering the camp that he had and the fact that they basically said that he was going to be in the opening lineup for opening night if he didn't get hurt, don't I'm not of the opinion that because he got injured and a bunch of other guys play as well that he's not in the future plans of the Winnipeg Jets, including this season. Like I firmly believe that at some point over the course of these next 30 games, probably more most likely when the rosters expand, he will come in, get a few games, and I think at that point the Winnipeg Jets will make those decisions post trade deadline as well as to what their best what their best roster is given the players available to play. Where are you at all on that? On, on what's the most likely? Have they given up on Villahena? Is he done? Is he? Uh, should we stop talking about him? Or uh, where? Um, what is the situation with Billy now that he's playing consistently and getting his season back on track after being out for the better part of three months? Uh, I actually, there's a part of me that thinks that Winnipeg's seventh defenseman, when uh, when the time comes post trade deadline, isn't going to be Logan Stanley. It's not going to be Ville Hainala. It's going to be somebody who we have whose name we don't know right here and now. So it may be that Hainala doesn't play a major role for the Winnipeg Jets before the season is over. And the same could be said about Logan Stanley. I think Winnipeg has a clear top six 
and maybe poking around the edges of upgrades on that front as well. Now, in terms of is Villahanela's time coming? Is it around the corner necessarily? No, because we, we see what's happening during this call-up situation. We've heard Kevin Sheveldayoff say in many seasons before he's excited about seeing Villahanela on the team and then he doesn't end up playing. But this is a different circumstance a little bit. The coaching staff has clearly said, I mean, Bonus said it to me when I asked in Winnipeg that his he had earned a job on the team out of training camp. And that's substantial. That's new. Um, it's also in the Jets' uh, history to wait until a player is off of his ELC before making the, the difficult decisions on him. So if you're impatient, if you're waiting for a sense of like, okay, Murat, you're you're full of it. If, Win- if Winnipeg doesn't play Hanela in the next week or two, you might actually be right about that. But I think that he's still very much a part of Winnipeg's plans. Uh, I've spoken to uh, his agent. I've spoken to people around the team. I believe that he's part of the team's plans. I believe that he's been inquired about over the years for trades and things like that. And I believe that Kevin Sheveldayoff has said, no, absolutely not. We're waiting uh, We're waiting for him, and there's going to be a time where he's part of the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, until they ship him, I'm actually going to continue to believe that because of sort of the conversations that I've had in recent times. What, um, like, you know, it, it is, like, I, I also think this situation might be different if it was a different defenseman being out. I mean, I think it is an easy fix to move Logan Stanley in, probably eat up some of the penalty-killing minutes, you know, and play a third-line a third role. But with Billy, who is, uh, you know, playing regularly and playing a lot with the Manitoba Moose right now, when he comes and gets in, uh, like, do you feel that it will be an audition to basically prove to the coaching staff like he apparently did in training camp that he's one of the six best to be part of that group. And again, granted, what you just said is very accurate. If they do make an addition on the blue line, that might be more competition for the spot. Um, like his particular situation when he does get in, how much is on the line and what, what would he have to do to play regularly, I guess is the question. I think he'd have to stun people to play regularly. The Jets did make it clear early on this season that Nate Schmidt didn't have to be an everyday NHL defenseman if his level wasn't up. But I think that part of why Nate Schmidt's level wasn't up uh, early on this season is because of injuries sustained during training camp. He came back into the lineup. And to my eye, he was trying to do an awful lot when situations didn't necessarily call for it. I think Schmidt was putting a lot of pressure on himself to make things happen, even in moments where it didn't work. His game's come a long way at this point. You can count on that third pairing. And even though it's Winnipeg's third best pairing and Nate Schmidt's probably the sixth most effective defenseman, they're winning their minutes. I relate that to Hanela because I think that if there's a spot for Hanela on this roster, it's in Schmidt's place. Uh, similar offensive instincts, uh, great vision with the puck on their stick. Hanela is probably more fleet of foot at this point and certainly not as experienced at the NHL level. You'd see a higher ceiling, I would think, from this point forward in their careers, even if Hanela never becomes as good as Schmidt was in his ex- excellent top four days. Um, so that's the roster spot I have in mind. If he can outplay Schmidt, that's where the job is available. I also think about next season where Winnipeg's looking at, I think it's $4.7 million worth of raise to Hellebuck and Shifley on the same roster with not a lot of turnover, depending on what happens to some to Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon. And you're going to need Hanela in a big way if he can deliver that Nate Schmidt-type performance in that spot. There may be a, 
a future where he takes over that particular job and that's his way into the NHL. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Perfetti's going to be getting a new contract. I mean, as to whether it's a bridge deal or a longer-term deal, uh, that will affect the AAV, but uh, it's not going down. Um, and again, not to get past this season and look too far into the future, but that's part of the reason why I'm so intrigued with Brad Lambert and maybe most, first and foremost, Rucker McGroarty, um, because if you if you do have veteran players making more money, um, having some players that can contribute on ELCs or relatively lesser value contracts goes a long, long way to putting together a roster that can uh, that can truly contend. Just one more on Vili. Let's say he does get in in a month or two, and it's the situation we're talking about. What do you think is most important for him? Because we know what he can do. I mean, I think he would be great. I'd certainly love to see him mix in on the power play right now. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but what's the most important thing for him to do, considering the way this team has been defensively all season, to earn the trust of the coaches to um, make that decision difficult, if not make it in his favor? Yeah, I mean, ideally, every player, it would be create more than give up, whatever it looks like stylistically. And I think Villa Hanel is probably already good enough to create more than he gives up and may have been that good for a little while prior to this amazing camp that he had. But for me, if the Jets are going to trust Hanela with substantial minutes and maybe even make him their six now or promote him over Stanley at least, I think he's going to need to help on the offensive side of the puck. They're going to want to be able to look at clean breakouts, clean transition plays, some nice offensive zone vision when Jets defensemen hop into the play. I think you want to see pointed examples of those things working where Hanel is doing the best things that he does. And he's also going to want to get out of the games that he plays in should he get into games without offering any video clip worthy defensive foible. And, you know, I think that his defending has come a long way in recent years. I think he's improving on that regard and impressing people at that AHL level as he's done for some time as well. But I think with the veteran coaching staff and the state of the Jets roster and the importance of the season, if they can point at even one thing where he plays 99% of an excellent game and makes one play up the middle that turns into a turnover and somebody scores, that's going to be a problem. And I think that's going to, that's the challenge of being on the cusp of that roster spot for Hanelow right now. Murat Atesh with us here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, let's talk about the forwards. Um, what do you think of Sean Monaghan and what did you think of the top six? By the way, Remo, if you want to get that clip number seven ready, we'll go to that after we hear from Murat. But uh, thoughts on the look of the top six? I know they didn't score, uh, but uh, Monaghan's debut and uh, and Shifley back in the lineup. Yeah, it's... First off, I like the good first impression that they played him right off the hop. First game in, it's the opening face-off, and he wins the draw off of Sidney Crosby at that. That's a nice touch. I mean, there may have been more considerations than just getting the new guy in, but I like it. I like that as an approach. I thought his minutes were relatively low event, to be honest. I, I didn't see a guy come in and star. I didn't see a guy come in and, you know, be become a GOAT in a, in a 3 nothing loss. It was just a situation of a new guy getting involved. I think his vision is going to be important. His ability to find Nikolai Ehlers for transition plays is going to be important. He and Cole Perfetti's chemistry in the offensive zone is going to be important. All of that stuff. Um, so for now, it's I think he acquitted himself well in his first Jets game is how I would see it. For me, most impressive player of the Jets game was probably Mark Shifley, which is odd if you look at that line's possession stats. They got buried a little bit. 
But I actually think that the number one center was going, and his wingers, Kyle Connor and Gabriel Velarde, were a little bit rustier than anything else. Agreed. Yeah, he turned corners on people. He drove the net on people. He created chances. Um, it wasn't there for them, and certainly they're going to need to watch how they handle the defensive zone in transition. Uh, but I think Mark Shifley being, uh, being a leader and being an offensive driver, obviously the goal got called back. Um, that's a good sign, and I think – if you're looking at solutions to Winnipeg's offensive woes, more Mark Shifley would be one of those solutions. Um, uh, Murat, let's uh, let's listen to this clip yesterday because uh, Mike was in Philly and he was asking about the combinations. That I believe I'm not sure what the questions in here, but the the concept is something that we've talked about. Um, we saw how dynamic Ehlers, Velarde, and Shifley was. This is uh, Mike asking Rick of uh, the possibility of uh, a potential swap of Connor and Ehlers from line one and line two. And then just on that point, the, your top two lines as you have them now, like there was a time when you had Nikolai and Mark and Gabe, and that line was doing a lot of really good things. And then obviously Kyle came back. Is Nick, you know, potentially get another look at, at that line at some point? Or? Yeah. Yeah that's, uh, yeah, that's always a possibility in games and yeah. For sure, but we again we we like to give uh, Sean a good look at that position as well. Like you can't over you can't overreact and do it too quickly. You got to give it a little bit of a chance. But they'll come the so that's never ruled out. But let's give it a little bit of a chance first. Um, from your perspective, give us the pros and cons of uh, Ehlers and Connor playing with Shifley. It, it certainly has seemed like they've leaned on this Shifley Connor combination. Um, but it's hard not to think back to those games that those guys played together while Connor was out and not think that those guys did some incredible things. Maybe the best, most effective top line we've seen at any point this season. Yeah, the version of Winnipeg's top line with Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, and Gabriel Velarde was one of the best lines in the NHL while they were together. They outscored their opposition 15-4. to 15-4. to four in the stretch of play that they had at five on five. That's incredible. No other Jets line has matched that kind of dominance. And it was also on the back of flow of play metrics that showed that they were creating a lot more chances than they were giving up. So there is a really exemplary go-to option available to the Jets. And that is real. I think, I think leaving that on the table as the season gets more and more crucial or the stretch drive continues that would be an example of offense lost or, or opportunity missed on the Jets' part. At the same time, I do understand that the Jets have been really hungry internally to see what that Shifley, Connor, and Velarde trio looks like. Um, I know that they liked their early looks on the power play and in camp and all that sort of stuff. I know that if you talk to them about what skill set each player brings to the table – and whether that's Shifley and Velarde finding chemistry in the way that they protect the puck along the walls, keep their heads up. They're both fairly dangerous shooting or as passing options, real good heads up reads. They think the game in the same way. I think that's something that they want. And I think that they also like the idea of Kyle Connor finding chemistry because he's such a deadly shooter popping in the soft ice. If that works you have an extremely dangerous top line and you have Nikolai Ehlers driving another line. And I, I get that. I get the appeal. If it doesn't work for a stretch, and it may not, because we have to, like, that, that Ehlers example was actually an incredible version of that top line. That was an incredible version. They may not meet that. So 
I guess what I'm saying is I understand the desire to look at it. If they don't go back to Ehlers uh, in that way, if it hasn't worked, then all of those old conversations that we've had as Jets observers, like is this more about their status on the team driving minutes than what results are? You know, that's Kyle Connor as a first-line left wing on on days. Um, there, There's more to this story to be told, I think, and it's going to depend on performance, but I can see – that we've seen enough past examples of this where like paying close attention to it would make a lot of sense as well. I mean, the one option that we haven't really talked about is Shifley, Connor, and Ehlers. And I imagine there would be time for that and potentially having Velarde play with Monaghan and Perfetti. Yeah, I, I have time for that as well. We haven't seen too, too, too much of that. Um, and again, it's another scenario where Ehlers tends to be associated with lines doing better when he's on the line than when he's off the line. So if they... Uh, as a trio can find it. And certainly Ehlers and Connor were starting to show signs um, a little bit towards the leading into the break as well. Like maybe it's not one or the other. I also had it pointed out to me recently that Gabriel Velarde, you know, during that November, December stretch where he was back from injury, he absolutely feasted in about a five or six game sample, ton of points. His, he decimated the Kings. That was a fun experience. And it's been a little while since then, since he's had one of those dominant offensive games. And I think because he's so shiny and exciting and new, because he showed up and absolutely crushed it for a little while, he's getting a little bit of a long lead in terms of uh, in terms of not being thought of as an option to come off the line. So it's actually kind of it's interesting that you're thinking of uh, of bumping him down because you don't get a lot of discussion about that at this juncture, do you? No, and, and it hadn't really been something that's been brought up quite a bit, but, I mean, I have thought about it. We know what Ehlers can do. We know what Connor can do. We saw them playing together when Shifley wasn't there, and uh, I sort of am with you. I mean, you know, we've seen Gabe have a lot of great games. I didn't think the Pittsburgh game was one, and I'm not overreacting from one game coming out of the All-Star break. And, listen, hopefully this team lights it up tonight and they score a bunch of goals and we can kind of – curb these discussions about having to change up the lines to find the offense again. But while we're living in that world right now, I think that, you know, all of the permutations using the top players on those top lines needs to be considered, especially at an early time with a new player like Monaghan coming in and sort of finding his feet. I'm not suggesting this happens tonight or Saturday, but I do think over the next couple weeks, depending on how things go in the games, it would behoove Rick Bonus to um, maybe see how a few of the different combinations look because I think we can all agree offensively this team's capable of much more than they've been doing lately, and you hope Monaghan brings even more potential to that top six. Yeah, I just think I think about all of this in terms of the playoffs. Let's say they ride these lines out as they are right here, right now, through the stretch run. They get a good playoff position, and then game two against Los Angeles or whoever it's going to be, the lines aren't going and they need a change and they they do look to mix things up because, you know, the blender comes out and they haven't had the chance to take a long look at some other com- combinations available to them. That's a pretty high stakes scenario to to sort of throw people into the fire in that way. I, I agree with you that coming out of this next month or two months with at least a couple with like two looks that get a long stretch of games would probably add versatility and be able to create a little bit of a different look for whoever they're playing against in that first round without it being a brand new experience for the Jets. 
I like the idea of having like a 1A look or a 1B look, um, you know, and that gives Connor Shifley, Velarde a chance to find their chemistry. And if they don't, then it gives Winnipeg a chance to find something that works other than that before the chips are all down. Um, Marat, you know, I guess speaking of focusing on the playoffs, um, that is uh, a great way to segue into your latest piece at The Athletic, uh, which is entitled The Jets Defense is a Strength, but the Bar is Higher for Contenders. Now that the Jets have made their move at the center position and brought in Sean Monaghan, what's next for the Jets as it pertains to the trade deadline? Where do you think they're focusing in on? And uh, do you have any intriguing names that um, fans might want to be thinking about, or at least Kevin Sheveldayoff might be thinking about? Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting the degree to which Winnipeg is, in my mind, all in on this. You know, I saw Pierre Lebrun's report that Winnipeg was in on Elias Lindholm uh, um, until that trade happened and then pivoted to Sean Monaghan. And believe me, I, I, I believe that if you look at the Declan Chisholm waivers timing as well and not calling anybody up after he was claimed, there was there was a little bit of heat and smoke there. So I asked Kevin Chevelday off about that at his post Monaghan trade uh, conference. And so there there is an idea that Winnipeg is is willing to shop, I guess, in, in some of the premier aisles of the trade market. And I think that it was telling that they went right after Monaghan and acquired him that soon. It gives the Jets some time to you know, build up remaining cap space, assess the team as they have now, and kind of point to their defense as an area for improvement. I think the number one criteria for a defensive ad for the Jets is going to be somebody who's a veteran, who's playoff tested, ideally, who kills penalties from time to time as well. Um, for me, the premier option for that would be Chris Tanev. I think that he'd be well known to Jets fans. His connection to his brother, Brandon Tanev, obvious. The fact that he played for the Manitoba Moose for a short stretch a long time ago, also clear. Um, Tanev is one of those heart and soul, block the shot, make the hit, um, go through whatever you need to go through to get out of the shift and in, in good standing type of player, like his brother, to be honest, um, and is effective in a top four context. That could give Winnipeg some flexibility. I don't know if they're all in on Tanev, but that's, I think, the, the, the blue sky version. And then you look at others like Walker from Philadelphia, Libushkin from Anaheim, if you're looking at teams that are already out of it. I just think that Winnipeg isn't going to feel comfortable going into the playoffs with Logan Stanley as seven and Ville Hainala as eight or however you want to draw that up. I think they're going to look at some veterans who are a little bit more battle-tested. Yeah, the uh, you know, we had an interesting talk with uh, with Button before we brought you on, and, you know, he had a funny crack about the Toronto media trying to di- you know, diminish the value of Chris Tanev, saying he's not going to come for a second rounder. Like, I kind of think that, he might be the player on the market that garners that it might surprise people what he goes for in the end because of just how many teams would love to have Chris Tanev playing some significant minute munching on their blue line come playoff time. Yeah. I mean, don't trust my memory. I'm like fresh from like a, from hitting my head in another scenario. So I feel a little soupy today, Uh, but didn't Ben Sherratt garner a first at some point? Uh, Yes, exactly. Like, so, so I David think, Savard. There you go. There you have it. Like, if if that's if that's the bar for those players, I I don't see how Chris Tanev isn't materially more uh, valuable to a playoff team in this season than than that. Um, so I think there is a there is a blue sky situation of that. 
would Montreal's second round pick, the one believed to be so, you know, likely so high in the second round, move the needle? Maybe, but you'd probably need a little more than that too. Um, so, so we'll see. It does seem like a lot of folks are trying to connect him to Toronto at this stage, and certainly Toronto's added at past deadlines, and they believe in toughness, ally Ryan Reeves, and uh, and otherwise. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's a name to keep an eye on for sure. Well, the Leafs certainly could use Chris Tanev. I don't think there's any doubt that when you look at that blue line and what they've been so far this year, that he would be a massive upgrade um, to what they have. But I think there's a lot of teams that would covet him, that would be looking at him. And to be honest, when it comes to the Leafs, I don't, just don't think they – I mean, they have no second-round picks, I think, for the next three years. Um, so we will see on that. Um, I guess when we're talking about any of those players, now that the Jets no longer have their first-round pick – um, and who knows? I mean, maybe you get uber aggressive and trade one in the future. I think next year's draft is thought to be stronger than this year's. So you're probably waiting on doing anything on that. Um, but you get into prospects. And, you know, we just talked to Craig about Rucker McGrory, who was, of course, over at the uh, World Juniors. And we've seen what Rucker's done just being on an absolute tear coming back from uh, from the World Juniors to Michigan. Um, I know Ken said earlier that he thought it would be like, I think the number he used on the show was like 90% Rucker would be signing. I know in one of your articles, you had mentioned that, you know, from talking to people around the league, they were a little less boyish on that, probably saying 50-50. Let's just assume that the Jets are able to sign Rucker, though, uh, at the end of the year. Um, I, I don't say this often about players, you know, coming in, you know, playing their first NHL games. I really do believe, though, that the unique package that he brings, not just in the regular season, but potentially in the playoffs, could be a guy, he could be a player that actually does make a difference for the Winnipeg Jets, not just a player that comes in and is wide eyes and gets a little bit of experience. Where are you on Rucker as a potential player for the Winnipeg Jets at some point down the stretch, but most importantly in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Well, if they do sign him, I think that he'll play NHL games, if not at least one, but there'll be more to that. I think that NHL play is perhaps the most important consideration for Rutger McGordy, as I've had it laid out for me. Uh, so if that if they have signed him in this scenario, then he'll get at least a game to, to burn a year of his ELC. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned, the possibility of playoffs as well. I think Winnipeg is inclined to run a fairly veteran-heavy late roster where where possible. Um, like the the team is deep as structured, and certainly they haven't promoted, let's say Brad Lambert or Nikita Chibrikov at different times. You'll see Dominic Toninato get those minutes and, and what have you. So I'm a little bit hesitant to say for sure that this is the path for McGroarty, despite his incredible season and his tremendous character, his captaincy to a gold medal. Uh, shortly after a punctured lung. I mean, this is incredible stuff. It's the stuff of legend. And if you're Rutger McGordy at this stage in your career, you probably feel like you can tackle just about anything put in front of you. You'd be going into that scenario with a lot of confidence. And, and I think that that could be a good thing. Again, you see a lot of playoff teams over the years. If you go four rounds, you get heroes in a lot of different shapes and sizes and different from different spots in your lineup. So if McGrory comes into a few games in that scenario, plays on the fourth line, chips in, like, I don't think he's hurting you necessarily. I think that he's of that tremendous quality and, uh, and, and probably like, and confidence as well to, to, to acquit himself. Well, 
I honestly think though that the talk of him being a playoff difference maker from where I sit today, based on how I've heard things, may be a little bit optimistic. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's all what you do when you get in there. I just know how high they are on him, and he has, you know, the one thing that he brings that is stands out no matter where he plays is that competitive nature, the energy that he brings, and he's also been able to produce at an incredibly high level as well. I just, I, I don't know why he, he, I, I keep coming to that, and maybe we'll remember this clip in a few months that he's a guy that will come in and be, I think, a guy that just is too good and too tough to keep out of the lineup. And, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens on that. One thing I did want to ask you as it pertains to uh, Rucker, for our listeners that maybe missed your piece in The Athletic, fill us in on on what happens if he plays a game, like burning that year of the ELC, but how it wouldn't change a potential UFA date down the road once he starts his uh, clock going as an NHLer. Yeah, I mean, contractually, and even before before that, I will say, once Kevin Shevel, they often company have their trade deadline business sorted out, expect a little bit more of a full court press from them towards McGordy's camp, I would say, in terms of getting that contract. And again, I think that whether it works out this year or next is going to be about Winnipeg's ability to find Rutger McGordy NHL playing time, and that could be a tough one. Now, if he plays one single game this year, it would eat up one of the three years of his entry-level contract. It would be as if he had played the whole season in Winnipeg as long as he gets into one game. And so the advantage for him in that regard would be that two years from now, he'd get to his second contract, uh, which might be more than the entry-level contract if he's had any success at the NHL level at all. Um, so that that's a nice little advantage in some cases getting out of the ELC and into your first RFA contract, there's an advantage to that. But one thing that would not start is the the time towards unrestricted free agency. That still takes seven seasons of, it, of being on the roster for approximately half the season or more, uh, or aged, um, sorry, or age 25. Rucker McGordy's unrestricted free agency date does not change if they bring him in for the tail end of the season. So if you see that, there's no risk to losing him early or earlier than expected just because he plays. Um, yeah, well, that'll be something. We'll be following the mission games a little closer as the team comes down the stretch, going into their uh, the playoffs and a potential, um, you know, trying to get back. They didn't have a great first half, and I think a big part of that was the fact that Rucker was gone for a while. Been a very different story after they've come back from the break. Um, uh, Marat, don't you uh, tease what's coming up in the athletic for Jets fans? Yeah, um, it's first off, fresh. My most recent piece talks a little bit about Brendan Dillon having switched agencies this week as well. I think that uh, one of the other considerations in the background for Jets fans is what happens to this defense core next. What will Brendan Dillon's future be? What will Dylan DeMello's future be? And it's my understanding that part of the switch of agencies for Brendan Dillon is just to get his ducks in a row. He's open to re-signing in Winnipeg. You know, he's a big part of the locker room. He's a big part of the success the team has had playing a top four role. Um, but he's a pending unrestricted free agent. And Winnipeg is probably not going to ramp up contract discussions until after the season plays itself out. At the very least, after until after the trade deadline plays itself out. But I think it's more of an off-season thing. So... a uh, player in his situation has got to get his ducks in a row and prepare for the what if of what if I do hit the unrestricted free agency market. And so I spoke to his agent 
who's also really handled as agent as it were. And uh, some of the quotes and the, the backstory is included in that piece. Next up, I started work on this today. I've been asked, it was a mailbag question originally, and I thought it was too good to sit on, or like, sorry, pardon me, too good to write a 200 word answer to. And it's how good are the Winnipeg Jets at trading really? Like what happens to Jets players when they go to other teams? What happens to other fresh players when they go here? What's the analytical case? What's the points case? What happens to these guys' careers? How do you quantify Winnipeg Jets trade success? And I think it's going to be a fun one because as we know that Pierre-Luc Dubois blockbuster or across that I'll call it the Gabriel Velarde blockbuster is one of the huge drivers in Winnipeg's success right now. Nemesnikov, Niederreiter, I mean, half of Winnipeg's top four, it's third pairing, half of it's third pairing. There's a player on every forward line who was acquired by trade. Like this is a compelling thing. Winnipeg's gone to that well and had success there, but how good? And I think that's going to be a real fun one to dig into next. I cannot wait for it, folks. If you're not subscribing to The Athletic, what are you waiting for? Make sure you give Murat a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, Murat, enjoy the game. Have a great one, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Huss, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There's Murat Atash. Great stuff, as always. Uh, All right. Uh, We do have some more to get to on the program. I do have to remind you, gang, though, that the big game is on Sunday. And uh, if you're like me, riding with the Chiefs, or you're a Niner fan, you're going to a party and you want to be rocking the uh, colors of your home team, get on over to Royal Sports right now. They've had tons of last-minute arrivals for the Super Bowl for both teams. I did check out the Chiefs section a couple days ago. Lots of cool new stuff. Some Travis Kelsey hoodies in there. Uh, lots of T-shirts, short sleeve, long sleeve tees as well. Some great stuff for women. Um, and obviously, you know that uh, whatever the team you're cheering for, Royal Sports has you completely covered with uh, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, the biggest Jets section in town, and tons of Blue Bomber gear as well. While you're there, check out all their skates. If we can ever skate outside at any point this winter, of course, the uh, massive hockey section, and tons of great stuff on the uh, King's Skate Snow and Surf side, including shoes, sandals, Straw hats, sunglasses, Yeti mugs. If you're going on a vacation, it might be a great stop to, stop to place to pop by as well. Check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And you can uh, always pop down and see them in person. 750 Pemina Highway. Uh, great night tonight to get out to your local Boston Pizza because the Jets are back in action. Six o'clock puck drop. Get there a little early in the order on the happy hour menu, which is always going from three to six every day. Uh, the game on the big screen with big sound, ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizza. Sounds like a plan. Make it Boston Pizza tonight. And if you are staying at home, you can always get the great taste of Boston Pizza by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. And uh, hey, speaking of the big game on Sunday, uh, I'm not sure what you're making food-wise, but if you're going to be having a few beers, make it Winnipeg's finest little brown jug. You can uh, pop by the brewery and tap room uh, down on William Avenue and try all of your favorites and pick up not only the beers, but some great merchandise. But if you're at your local beer store or the liquor marts over the next couple days in advance of Sunday, Make sure to pick up Little Brown Jug Generic Lager, a light, crisp, domestic-tasting beer brewed locally here in Winnipeg, and it's on for a great deal right now. $19.99 for an eight-pack of Tall Boys, 
for generic, my personal favorite. And don't forget, if you're at the game on Saturday, you can also get Little Brown Jug at Craft Beer Corner, Section 124, downstairs at Craft Beer Corner in the lower bowl, and outside Section 310 at Craft Beer Corner in the upper bowl. Big thanks to Little Brown Jug for their support of WST. And now make sure you stock up for the big game on Sunday. All right. We still got to get to the cool bet lines and do a little bit more for tonight's game. See what the Jets' goal-scoring props are. How about just to score a goal? We'll uh, look forward to that. LB and Net tonight. Uh, but before we do that, let's uh, welcome in a friend from Sport Manitoba for another It Takes a Community to Play segment brought to you by Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. All right, it's time for another It Takes a Community to Play segment with Sport Manitoba, proudly supported by Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. And it's an absolute pleasure to welcome in Carrera Lamaru from uh, the Manitoba Ad- Aboriginal Sport and Rec Center. Carrera, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I- I'm great. I'm great. It's uh, nice outside. The uh, well, obviously, we need the Jets to get back in the win column soon. But been a great week. Teddy Allen's back. Your neighbor down the street, down the street at Sport Manitoba and the Sea Bears. Teddy Allen's back. Big week for the Bombers. So. Uh, all in all, cannot complain. Um, but it's great to have you on, and I, I think people will be really interested about this to learn more about the uh, the North American Indigenous Games in uh, Manitoba and our involvement in it here. But you guys have actually put together a book called The Summer of Excellence, which I understand is the second time about Manitoba's involvement and some real great success stories at the, uh, at the NAG event. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book and uh, how it all came together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This was a wild summer for us. Uh, We hosted the National Aboriginal Hockey Championships in the spring of 2023. And then about six weeks later, we sent a contingent of 500 or so athletes, coaches, all the way to Halifax to then participate in the North American Indigenous Games. And so with such an immense representation of Indigenous athletes, coaches, volunteers in the world of sport from this province, we needed to ensure their stories were documented. And, and the biggest thing is, is we didn't want these stories to be left untold and not remembered. We wanted them to exist in some form in public record so that we can share and celebrate all of these incredible athletes and coaches forever, essentially. You know, I mean, just on, on the hockey event, um, I checked some of it out. It was, uh, it, it sounded like it was a huge success, but a really, really big event. I mean, fill us in a little bit on that hockey event in particular and you know, how important that was to Aboriginal sport, youth Aboriginal sport, but also um, the way Winnipeg was able to host it in the fashion that it did. Yes. So having Winnipeg host it, first and foremost, was crucial because of accessibility. So, so it's not just about having these athletes participate in a tournament or a championship in which no one can watch. But instead, we had tickets and we opened it up to schools and to tours because we want to elevate and empower Indigenous athletes in sport, whether it's hockey or basketball or softball, irrelevant. However, um, at the particular level of the NAC, it, it is elite, it is competitive, and it is incredible. Time and time again, we get to watch the best Indigenous hockey players from across this country participate in a championship of this nature. Truly special. How um, I, I was interested in how the teams were made. And how they came from, because obviously we've got Indigenous people, Aboriginal people from, you know, across the country. Um, how, how did it work for teams to come in and was it more from communities or did provinces take their best Aboriginal hockey players and put them together for a head-to-head? 
Yes, th that's a great question. So I can't speak for every province because every province does something a little bit differently. However, for Team Manitoba, we begin with an identification camp early in the summer. We just want to create a space where as many athletes that are identified and able to play at this level come out and they experience what the NAC could then be like within the confines of this camp. From there, additional athletes are then selected for a further trial process. And it's through this process that athletes are then identified and named to the roster. And athletes come from across the province, not just from Winnipeg, uh, not just from you know prep schools or those kinds of things, but, but from wherever they might exist, they're permitted and welcome to come and given the same opportunity to try out. Well, I, and I imagine from your end, um... I mean, with this and whether we're talking about the hockey championships or all the other sports that are competed at the, at the national games, um, a big part of the mandate is to provide opportunities to young athletes. I imagine considering how big our province is and where some of these communities are, uh, that's got to be one of the biggest challenges to uh, reach everybody and be able to provide those chances to uh, participate and be part of these special events. Yes, absolutely. And and I also want to be clear that um, it is always a work in progress and we never finish a year and think to ourselves, got it, we did it to perfection. It's never like that. Instead, it's about let's try this. Let's go to these different locations across this province and see if they are then accessible enough for our athletes. And at the end, if we receive feedback that we did not do our due diligence, then we just have to keep trying because it's not just about the MESRC making determinations or decisions at the cost and expense of these athletes, but rather about working jointly with the community to hear them so that those young athletes do then get the opportunity they desire. So the book is the summer of excellence. And I mean, it talks about the hockey championships, but also gets into the North American indigenous games. And um, you mentioned 500 um, yeah. heading out. Uh, tell us a little about the scope of this event and for the people participating, how much of a highlight that is of the year and, um, you know, their athletic careers in a lot of cases. Yes. Uh, so first of all, this process is super amazing. Um, I, as a basketball official, was given the privilege of officiating at NAG. And so I got to sort of serve jointly in the games in a little bit of a different capacity than normal. However, I got to meet so many incredible athletes from Team Manitoba who, who said it was the experience of a lifetime representing your province, wearing your colors, donning them at a games in which you were facing teams from New York or Wisconsin or New Mexico. And that's really what we tried to capture in this book. It is that positive, exciting, memorable experience. And we wanted to do so through as many pictures as possible. Uh, less words and more like sharing that. Pictures worth a thousand words, right? We talk about that all the time. <laughs> um, uh, Carrera, I mean, uh, I guess you mentioned that you want to tell these stories, um, in a lot of ways, the book not only celebrates the athletes and the event itself, um, but I'd imagine hopefully serves as almost a recruiting tool for uh, for future um, athletes to be part of the events coming down the road. 100%. And I think that's ultimately the purpose, right? We want to create visibility. We want to remind everyone here that there is an entire community, populations, demographics of Indigenous youth that are so excellent and so amazing, and they deserve the opportunity to not only be celebrated, but to be selected, to be involved in decision-making processes. And we hope that this book serves not only as a celebration tool, but an educational guide. You know, I uh, I should shout out the uh, other uh, team, part of the team that put this together, <laughs> the other authors, Dr. Janice Forsythe, 
Scott Taylor, uh, Melody Whitesell, and uh, Gabriel Wishart. Um, what was your what was your favorite part about putting together uh, the book? And now that it's put together, when you look back at it, what sort of stands out about the uh, the project overall? I love meeting people behind the stories. Oftentimes you interact with with young athletes in particular, and you would never believe they won five, six gold medals because they're so quiet and they're so humble. But then when you meet them and you have an opportunity to speak to them about something they love, like canoe kayak, for example, you get to watch them brighten up and smile and, and come alive. And seeing that and experiencing that over and over, hands down my favorite part. Well, I mean, I can imagine that, you know, in events like that, that are so much fun at the bottom line. I mean, it is about great experiences. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of great stories that uh, hopefully can be inspirational moving forward um, as you guys, um, you know, we continue to try to grow participation as well as these events overall. You know, from your perspective, um, with uh, the Manitoba Aboriginal Sport and Rec Council, when we do these segments, you know, we've talked to people in different roles from a number of different sports, a number of different backgrounds, but it always comes back to the amount of people, to your point, behind the scenes that are helping the athletes, helping these events. Can you just speak to the importance of recruiting like local officials and coaches and volunteers to make events like the hockey championships and obviously NAG, the big event, uh, the big event happened because it, it takes a lot of people pulling together to pull these things off. Yes. Um, so that, that's a great question. And I think part of the reason that perhaps people are hesitant to get involved or simply unaware is because of the way in which we celebrate the athlete. There's nothing wrong with that. Athletes deserve their time and place. But what we forget is that the backbone of many of these events is the nameless volunteers that we don't see waking up at 4 a.m., leaving the venue at 2 a.m., to ensure that these events operate smoothly so athletes have a venue to participate and demonstrate their talent and skill. So as a basketball official myself who recognizes the need for basketball officials, I would say simply give it a try. If you're looking for other ways to be involved in the sport, to stay connected to something that you love, to watch someone or maybe your kid play, referee, why not? Why not volunteer? Why not coach? Be impactful and intentional in your involvement in sport, and you'll feel so gratified and so thankful as you continue. Carrera, this has been a great conversation. Um, fill people in on where they can find out more about the uh, the council as well as Summer of Excellence, the book, if they want to uh, find out more about these great stories of the uh, Indigenous athletes representing our province. Absolutely. Um, you can learn more about who we are as the MASRC in Winnipeg and a summer of excellence by logging on to our website at www.masrc.com. Carrera, a real pleasure meeting you and a continued success with all the programs and uh, congratulations to the athletes that are celebrated in this book. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I wish you well. Great stuff. That's another edition of uh, Takes a Community to Play with Sport Manitoba, proudly sponsored and supported by Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. All right, great stuff. Thanks again to Carrera for jumping on. Really enjoyed uh, that conversation. Uh, all right, hey, uh, we've got, you know, tough, tough look for uh, Larry TSG. He bounced. A resident grump didn't want to hear about the Super Bowl or anything, but that means he's also going to miss. He probably is not into wrestling, anyways. But hey, uh, for those of you that are with us right now, stick around in just a couple minutes. 
we're going to do a little impromptu giveaway on WST because, as we mentioned, we've got some AEW tickets to give away. I cannot wait. April 10th, AEW coming back to Winnipeg, and hopefully Kenny Omega, Winnipeg star, will be back. He was recovering from diverticulitis, which was quite serious. I don't think he's been back on TV. Um, but April 10th is the date. Anyone that went to the show last time, I'm sure will be back at it. It was so much fun. Tickets are available now at Ticketmaster. Uh, but it's a good reminder to sign up for the WST mailing list because not only do we have some AEW tickets to give away, which we'll do through there, we also have some Moose tickets, which will be given away. There's a bunch of home games in February. So if you do, if you haven't already, sign up for the mailing list. There is a link right here in the stream, in the chat right now. You can see, click on that. Make sure you're getting the notices. We don't put out tons out, but we do a lot of great prizing, and we want to make sure podcast listeners are able to get in on those as well that aren't with us on YouTube. But uh, the Wheel of Winners is going to be back in just a section. We will uh, let you know how to enter in a minute. Um, hey, i got to thank our friends at Aikens Lake for their support of WST. Uh, it Well, it feels like spring right now, although now actually I guess we do have snow. But listen, planning is well underway for the 2024 season at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and dates are being booked uh, as we speak. If you're thinking about an incredible fly-in fishing experience where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens is the spot. Incredible world-class fishing and incredible world-class hospitality from the Aikens team. There really is nothing like Aikens Lake. Find out more online at AikensLake.com or uh, check out their socials at Aikens Lake on X and Instagram. All right, um, let's uh, get to the cool bet lines before we do our AEW giveaway. Um, and I know we uh, got into some Super Bowl props today on the lock shop. We'll have our best bets tomorrow for the game. The line, same as it's been from yesterday, plus 110 for the Chiefs on the money line, minus 123 on the Niners. And uh, the Niners are two-point favorites in the game. The total, 47 and a half. If you saw Chris Meany on the show yesterday, who is about as sharp as they come, uh, their pro uh, projections are leaning to the under. I think I'm going to lean to the under as well. And I think you all know who I'm picking for the game uh, on Sunday. Uh, as far as tonight goes in the NHL, seven games. Uh, the Canucks are in Boston to take on the Bruins. Um, Vancouver with that impressive win in Carolina. And uh, in coming back off the break, and the Bruins coming off a, a loss at home to Calgary. Boston's minus 131 faves, the Canucks plus 112. Um, the Avalanche move on to Carolina to take on the Hurricanes. Canes minus 140 faves, Avs plus 119 on the road. The Panthers are a big two, minus 267 favorite against Washington. Uh, the Devils get Jack Hughes back tonight. That's a big, big addition for New Jersey. They're minus 135 favorites at home against Calgary, who are plus 115. Uh, the Lightning, plus 118 underdogs. They played last night. They're staying in New York. They got the Islanders tonight, who were minus 139. And the late game tonight is the Vegas Golden Knights, coming off the streak-breaking win of the Edmonton Oilers, minus 133 on the road in Arizona, take on the Coyotes, Coyotes plus 113. And then there's the Jets and Flyers. Jets are minus 138 favorites in this one. LB and net. Flyers plus 117 home dogs in this game. 
The total is five and a half. Um, the team totals for Philly, uh, if you like the under, uh, under two and a half is minus 119. Uh, and if you've been waiting for the Jets to have a bit of an offensive explosion, uh, over two and a half is minus 149. Over three and a half is plus 159. Jets definitely owe Philly a few goals considering that uh, Urson shut them out here in Winnipeg. Uh, a few uh, couple weeks ago. As far as goal scorers tonight for the Jets, KFC's plus 175. Gabriel Velarde is plus 235. Ehlers plus 235. Shifley plus 235. Other players on the list, Cole Perfetti plus 365. Sean Monahan plus 400, along with Nino Niederreiter plus 400. And Alex Iafalo plus 460. It's all there at Cool Bet. If you haven't played a cool bet before and you would like to, or you're thinking about getting in for the Super Bowl, use the promo code WST when you make your first deposit. Hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on that first deposit. Um, all right, Remo. Everyone's going to be signing up for the mailing list so they can get in on the AEW tickets, but I figured let's uh, let's reward one of our listeners and uh, live YouTube viewers that's hanging around to the end to come and join Mary Jane, who won Beat the Box Office. She's already going, as well as Stephen Sherwood, who won right off the bat with the Beat the Box Office giveaways. What are we going to do? Exclamation mark tickets in the chat? Yeah, exclamation mark tickets in the chat. And that is live right now. So do that. And if you're listening on the podcast and you want to get on on later, we do have some moose tickets on our website live right now. We're giving away winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest, and that'll take you right there. And if you go to winnipegsportstalk.com, scroll to the bottom, sign up for the mailing list, and we'll let you know when we have more stuff to give away. And also, hey, if you missed anything on the show, we send out a weekly newsletter just highlighting some of the top conversations of the week. If you want to you know, go back, who uh, if you missed yesterday, Teddy Allen from the Winnipeg Sea Bears came on for a great conversation, and we talked about Brady Oliveira uh, with John Hodge, him and Dalton Schoen signing. And I actually saw this, Hus. We, you know, uh, we clipped us uh, reading the alarm for all the signings. Breaking news: Brady Oliveira liked one of the Winnipeg Sports Talk tweets. So we see you out there, Brady, liking liking our content. So uh, I, you know, really exciting week for the Bombers and, and Sea Bears as well, bringing back. Some great players. Brady also liked my tweet, giving it to that complete loser in Hamilton <laughs> that tried to take a shot at the uh, the privileged cliche of some guy doing charity work on his holiday in Bali. Uh, but anyways, yeah, appreciate you, Brady, and glad that you're back for a couple weeks. Um, T-Will asking when AEW is. AEW is April 10th, Canada Life Center. And uh, Mary Jane said, yeah, she'd like some company from the WST crew when she's there with her son. We'll look forward to seeing everyone there. Rima and I will be there. It is going to be uh it is going to be a lot of fun. So yes, if you do want to get in on the uh on the tickets right now, exclamation mark tickets and uh we'll uh give you about another minute and then we'll wrap it up. One thing I know Rima we both wanted to quickly touch on um, but some more terrible news in the industry today. Um, it is just about three years to the day uh, that our uh, beloved station 1290 
was um, shut down in the middle of the day. Coming back the day after I had to eat it after the Chiefs lost to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. Never got a chance to get back on the air after that one, but um, obviously we pivoted quickly and we've been enjoying great success here in this format in um, the digital place with the podcast and with the show. We're so appreciative of everyone that has supported and all the new people that have been coming throughout. By the way, if you are new, welcome aboard. Hit that subscribe button and hit the thumbs up while you're at it. Um, but it, it just seems like this is an annual thing. Um, then the news today that Bell, our former employer, is cutting another 9% of their workforce. Uh, they have sold a bunch of stations, which hopefully live on under you know some ownership that actually cares uh, about the medium and about the product and about local broadcasting. Uh, but it's another really, really dark day in Canadian media right now. So um, from my perspective, I mean, whatever. We've said what we have to say about our old employer and what they're doing and how they're going about it. It is what it is. Um, but wishing everybody the best moving forward. <clears throat> There's a lot of great people that had their lives turned upside down today. <clears throat> Excuse me, a lot of their lives turned upside down today. And uh, we've been there. We're feeling for you. And uh, Reem, I'm sure you echo those comments. Yeah, you know, it's coming up on three years, which is really hard to believe. And, you know, you think because of some of the backlash that was received, maybe the way they're going about it would be done differently. But really just bringing people to the execution line and, you know, sending them home. Um uh, yeah, I feel for all the employees, and you know, we're, I feel very fortunate and lucky that we've been able to pivot and do this because I probably wouldn't be in media if we didn't. Because, so, Back to accounting? No, I wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I, something, something else. But um, yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure what else needs to be said. It is, you know, it, I will say that it is disappointing that you know, they have had this great message in the past of you know, mental, mental health and all that. And the big campaign that was so successful for so long, that's kind of been torpedoed by these actions. Like they had it uh, at the end of January and it, you know, I think did start a lot of positive conversations and change about, you know, perceptions on you know mental health and, and getting help. And, you know, you didn't even see it this year. People don't want to support them anymore. And, you know, just the tradition seems, yeah, we're going to have this great campaign for, mental health and then just shatter, um, you know, tons of uh, lives going forward. So, uh, I mean, I, that's just my thoughts on that, but as far as us, um, you know, we're here three years, almost, it's been quite a ride and we're so appreciative of the support and, you know, we have gotten messages from people say, Hey, how can we continue to support you guys? You know, just things like hitting the thumbs up button on our videos, leaving a comment after, um, you know, staying in touch with uh, the mailing list. We said we're on all the social medias: Instagram, you know, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Facebook. Uh, just interacting with our content and that kind of stuff tells the algorithms, "Hey, we're putting out great stuff," and we'll show it to more people. If you know the YouTube algorithm knows that we're putting out great content by you watching or liking, subscribing, commenting, all that. So uh, we are so appreciative of all the support out there, but. Um, it just seems like this is just a, a cycle that keeps going on and on. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, listen, you know, part, big part of their day, the local news. And I don't know, we don't really have a lot of it uh, anymore. And a lot of important work uh, not getting done. 
Yeah, and, and I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I believe the local newscasts at noon are done. So I'm not sure what that means locally, but, you know, to any CTV employees that have, um, <clears throat> that have uh, found that, you know, they're, uh, they're going to be doing something else. We'll, we're thinking about them. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned just the support we had from everyone, especially everyone. Shout out to the Sam Crow there, Brown Eye Girl, MGD, uh, Dan Jets fan. Um, everyone that's become a member of Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, you know, supporting us with that $2 donation a month. It's another thing that really helps us move on. And as I said, it has been, uh, it's been incredible three years. I wouldn't change a thing. Um, but I just do know that there's so many people that have been forced into a real crossroads of their life today uh, that weren't expecting that yesterday when they went to bed, finding out the bad news. And uh, we wish them uh, we wish them all well. All right, let's finish this off. Let's get some good vibes going into the game tonight and uh, fire up somebody with a uh, pair of AEW tickets to join us for the big event on April 10th at Canada Life Center. Yeah, let me see. Okay, we got a bunch of... So want me to close it now, the number of entries? Yeah, 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 close it now. People have had enough time. Okay, closing it now. And we have 31 entries. So shout out to everyone who put exclamation mark tickets in. And I'm just copying them, Hus. I'm going to put them in the wheel of winners. Real exciting stuff here. I'm pumped for this AEW show. I saw, you know, they post all the highlights on social media. Sting, okay, still wrestling, took a huge dive off the top of one of the, I don't know what it is, like where the entrance is and landed on two guys. I'm like, Sting, man, he's still... Well, it's so you're going to be 60 years old, right? You know what? I caught a bit of dynamite last night, and uh, hmm. he and Darby Allen won the tag team titles, and then afterwards, uh, he had his sons at ringside just because yeah. he's um, retiring soon, uh, and then his sons came out to uh, celebrate with him, and then a bunch of guys came out and beat the hell out of all of them, including his family. So that will heat up. That will heat up getting closer to uh, our event in Winnipeg on mm -hmm. April the 10th. Again, tickets on sale at Ticketmaster. Check that out and stay tuned to Winnipeg Sports Talk to win, as well as a special contest uh, potentially to get you sitting on the floor for uh, the big event on the 10th of yeah. April. Yeah, 64 years old, 65, Sting, still putting his body what? on the <laughs> line. Yeah, it's, I don't know, someone's got to step in there. I got worried about the guy, but I guess they're like glorified stuntman. I, I don't know. That's for sure. Well, and, and again, he's already said that his final match is coming up. I can't remember the date, yeah. um, but I guess they maybe give him a little run with the belts before he uh, he goes off. All right, everybody that's in, good luck. If you win, and we'll announce the winner second when we see the spin, what we're going to need you to do is send us your email uh, at winnipegsportstalk.com so we can send you the tickets. Of course, the tickets, like everything nowadays, are a digital. All right, thanks to everyone that entered the Wheel of Winners for two tickets to AEW Dynamite April 10th at Canada Life Center. Give it a spin, Remo. See who we're, uh, see who we're taking to the show. All right, here we go. your boy Bruce he's going to be fired up he is going to be fired up I believe he is a great fan of the art of sports entertainment 
And uh, Bruce, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun that night. Congratulations to uh, to Bruce. Um, so, Bruce, um, winnipegsportstock at gmail.com, just to make sure we've got your email. We probably do already, but just to be sure. And uh, count yourself in. Book it off. April 10th for AEW with the uh, with the WST crew. Uh, Reem, before we go, how are you feeling about this game tonight? I got to be honest, I'm surprised the Jets are favorites, which is on the road, uh, the way that it's been going. But is the sports book still looking at the record? I don't know. May I feel better if they were an underdog? They're due for a, for some goals here, right? Yes. Like that's that's what I want to see tonight. I, you know what? I might even jump on that over three and a half tonight. You think they're due for an explosion? Like not going on individual goal scorers. Like let's see the team come together. They owe Philly for that shutout loss they here do. earlier. They're getting back at Urson. LB's going to come in and be ready to go and hopefully have a real strong game. So. uh end this streak get a win get the vibes going for a friday show heading into uh, a return bout against the pittsburgh penguins saturday night at uh, canada life center yeah i gotta feel good and you know one thing about the dylan suspension i was worried that he was going to miss the rematch against minnesota but no it's this game uh the saturday game and then the, the valentine's day game oh they got a couple so he's not missing that game so uh yeah without dylan tonight stanley in Brossois in net. Love to see a power play goal, something. Uh, so let's see some winning the special teams battle. Oh, a power play goal would be. Oh, that would be so nice to get on the show tomorrow. We'll be talking about the power play actually scoring. That's that, that is definitely another another hope. Uh, yeah, over under power play goals in this game one and a half plus two ten. I will not be taking that. Although you might, well, the under is minus 312, not worth, uh, not worth betting. Um, all right, well, that's going to do it for us. If you join late, make sure to go back and check out the Craig Button segment. He was phenomenal. Murat, as always, was great. Thanks again to Carrera Lamaru uh, from, uh, yeah, from uh, Sport Manitoba coming by and joining us today for the It Takes a Community to Play segment. Congratulations to Isha Boy Bruce for the win of the AEW tickets. I know he's fired up about the big dub. And uh, in the meantime, join us tomorrow. I'll be around for the start of the show, and then uh, Remo's going to take her away along with Connor. Um, although we will have the three of us in the first hour do a little bit of Super Bowl talk before I have to go. We want to have some final predictions from myself and Connor who are on opposite sides of the fence for the big game tomorrow. Uh, but we will be starting it off with reaction from tonight's game in Philly. Don't forget a legal curve tonight, uh, right after the program. Kenny and Rennie support those fellas as well. And uh, make sure to join us tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks again to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Everyone that was in for a big show live on YouTube and all the podcast listeners. Have a great one tonight. And uh, fingers crossed, we'll be talking about a uh, one-game winning streak tomorrow on the program. We'll find out tonight when the puck drops in Philly just after 6 p.m. Have a great one, everyone. Oh my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.